no, that was hilarious. I really enjoyed it. I just, you know, I thought I was going to have some important things to say, and I just realized, no, 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 not at all. That's not how that show works. No important things. I tried once, and it was like, nah, yeah, nah. I just gotta remember what this is, and like, know what needs to be done here. It's all. It, it reminded good. me a little bit like Mystery Science Theater 2000. You know, just yes. Banner. Yep. All right, big city, yeah. Kansas City, how you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts. I'm your host, Patrick Spray, and today is episode number 24 on August 3rd. And we're going to throw a little curveball today and bring in our producer, Chris Mowry, as our guest. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. This was really well planned out. <laughs> yes, we'd very a- much. We'd actually been discussing about the fact that you know, when we put this, hatched this crazy idea, what, a year ago, August? Yeah, something like that. It's like the end of August last year. Well, I, I, I think I started trying to weasel my way into your life like July or so with that idea. But um, over these past, you know, couple dozen episodes, I feel like I've been learning a lot about you, Chris. Yeah. Through secondary conversations. And I'm like, why don't we find out a little bit more about the man? Are you ready for this? Sure. 20 questions. Let's do it. They're all written down. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, it's, it's the start of a new month here. So we like to talk about our calendar and usually we do grill Chris a little bit since he's got a lot of things happening. Yeah. What's, what's on the radar? Um, so on the radar at Lemonade Park, I want to click on this and make sure I get this right. Blacklight Animals and Freedom Affair, Saturday, August 21st. I think we teased that one, actually. I think you let that one slip last show. I think so, yeah. Uh, But something that isn't announced yet that I just confirmed today that I'm pretty excited for. Journey Pro Wrestling, Saturday, August 28th, during the day at Lemonade Park. Journey Pro... As soon as you said Journey, I was saying Journey. Well, no, it's independent. It's like local independent pro wrestling. And they just did an event the other uh, last weekend... At Blip Coffee Roasters. Yeah, I saw that. It was very hot in there. Um, and because of you know the spread of COVID, they want to move this big event that they're doing to outside. Um, okay. And Lemonade just became a good fit. So it's going to sell out very quick. It's most likely going to sell out within an hour. Because oh, we're only wow. selling 300 tickets. So. Where are you going to set up that? <clears throat> the ring. The ring. The so ring will be... So it'll be... Uh, we'll take out uh, the picnic tables and stuff, and it'll be... Right in the middle of the AstroTurf there, and then there'll be a ramp from the stage to the ring. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So um, it's going to be a blast. Um, there's like people that are on TV are going to be there uh, performing. So uh, should be really cool. I'm very excited. That's what I was doing with most of my day today. That's August 28th? Was organizing that. Yes. Saturday during the day? Yeah. And then Stefan and. Uh, Lee Walter Redding are that evening at Lemonade. So it's like a matinee oh, show. Oh, wow. But it's maybe Stefan and Lee are just going to join the uh, festivities and have a little cage <laughs> yeah. mash before we'll, we'll have we'll have everything we'll have everything back to normal. You would have no idea that a wrestling event was in there. Leave it, man. Bye. I think those two would get a kick out of it. They'll be out there on Center Circle. Yeah. Whatever happened? Weren't we talking about some acoustic wrestling thing a few weeks ago? Who was that guy acoustic. that was going to be? In oh, town? Jeff Hardy. How'd um, that go? Well, let me tell you. Uh, so Jeff Hardy 
tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. And so he, uh, I believe he is vaccinated, but who knows these days. Um, so he took a bunch of tests to make sure, and then he found out and was like, okay, well, I we got to cancel this meet and greet, clearly. And so he told the promoter, and the promoter's like, okay. And the promoter like types up a thing saying, this is what we need to post about it. We do. And then I'm sitting here as a pro wrestling fan working on some stuff. I was working on the schedule for Record Bar and Lemonade Park. And I'm catching up on my wrestling news uh, on YouTube from Wrestle Talk and What Culture Wrestling. And they're both from the UK. And they're like, uh, Jeff Hardy tested positive for COVID, but it wasn't announced by WWE. It was announced by a venue in Kansas called Record Bar. I'm like, <laughs> What? <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, so, yeah, we were all over the news of uh, wrestling Twitter and the wrestling Internet for a day or two. Wow. Which a little was bonus very, for you. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. I Okay. So this needs to be discussed a little bit further in this segment. Did not realize <laughs> you were such an aficionado of grappling. Yes. Um, I need to hear more about that. But yeah, did I thought he had like a deal in Kansas city already that day. Well, he did. He would have been on raw. He would have, Oh, he would have performed on raw and then sprint come center? over T-Mobile center. Yeah. Oh, T- okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sprint is no longer exists, but yes. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, he has to quarantine. He had a quarantine for two weeks, so he wouldn't have been able to perform and, not and I see. The and greet, I see. So. Yeah, I think I just saw that picture from Blip of that event. I'm like, that looks pretty cool. It was pretty actually. awesome. It was just super hot. The AC was not yeah existent really. Are they planning to do more? Yeah. So um, we're planning on doing stuff with them outside, um, and then once fall and stuff comes, they're going to be doing stuff indoors. And they okay. used to do this at Kansas Hall, um, oh, and yeah. they would sell five to six hundred tickets, pack sure. the place out. Uh, this is pre-COVID, um, and they're good guys, and um, they know I'm a fan. So they just we just started talking about doing stuff together and awesome working and stuff. Yeah, we're going to partner with them. What today's the third? So this will yeah, it'll be out next weekend, the 13th and 14th. We're doing an event with Vegan Events Kansas City, mm-hmm. and they're par- partnering with Blip. Yeah, they're like can you help us find some artists? I'm like sure. Yeah, yeah. So we've got. Um, Max Indeveria, young man from Lawrence, great solo singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. Xavier is going to do a DJ set as Encode that yeah. Friday, and then Saturday will be uh, Cujo, Addie Dancy's new project, Sister Bob. Maybe it's just Addie solo, and then Mickey P. Okay, and I mean, I just love seeing again some alternative spaces and venues, not just offer music either, but some cool stuff you yeah know, whether it's we need a vegan wrestling event is what we need that sounds like an awesome combo <laughs> with bikers and coffee all right yeah. so let's let's throw that out to ian um i know you were looking at your calendar too anything else um, going on You've yeah got- there's there's some stuff coming up at, at record bar too let me let me open my You've that got, was a pug. Nice, Atticus. You've got your show with Liam. That's in, not until September, that's right? September. 23rd? Yeah. Uh, oh, here's one that's really good. Um, and I'll just preface this with, yes, these are indoor events. Uh, there is a mask mandate. So if you want to come to Record Bar, you have to wear a mask. That's the way it is. Uh, have you... I saw the ship today had some updated protocols. Yeah, they're doing... Uh, you have to show your vaccination card. I haven't heard anything about that yet on our end. Uh I mean, that should make people feel safer if we did something like that. But yeah. I have not uh, heard anything like that on our end as as of now. But things are constantly changing, so we'll, we'll see. Right. Um, that same... No, the day before that Blacklight Animal Show, 820. 
Emmeline Twist, Montez Odds, New Order tribute. Oh at, yeah, uh, record bar. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's good. And then also eight twenty five at Lemonade Park, the the man slash band that fell to earth. It's going to be like a mini version of the band that fell to earth yeah. performing before the movie or before along the movie the, with they'll, the soundtrack. They'll play before the movie because it'll be bright out, and they'll oh. perform a little bit, and oh, then cool. they will. Then the movie will be at nightfall. Oh, cool! So, oh, that's exciting. That'll be fun. Because they didn't do obviously the show in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Why did I feel like they were trying to do something last fall that I'm not remembering right now? But I don't think they did. I think it's been a year, a year and a half, right? Yeah, I think so. There was Men of Men, yeah, Women of Women. Yep. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at my calendar too, and again, this week, Chris, I've been talking about this Cowtown Ballroom documentary. Yeah. I think we've discussed it a couple That's times. Yep. I'm really excited to see it getting a lot of attention. I've been reading a lot of stories. There's a great Facebook group, Cowtown Ballroom. I don't know if Joe started that himself, but it's got Might a, have, yeah. a lot of interesting history. I was just reading about Linda Ronstadt crushing it. Uh, Dominique Sanders is going to be at the ship on Thursday. I think he's in town doing some work with Tech Nine, from what I understood. Um, and then, yeah, this Saturday, again, Tech Nine's doing Power and Light. Um, the Black Creatures are playing with Kalendo and Kemet Coleman and the Creepy Jingles. Yeah, excited That's, for that. The same night as uh, Loud and Local with Jake Wells and Greeting Committee, mm. a big festival that took a year off last year. Uh, it's just an action. I mean, it just seems like every night, look at my calendar, there are three or four events. Yeah. Um, it feels like August is slow. It seems slower than July did. Like July just felt like a like a whirlwind. I a don't bum know. rush. Yeah, it just was crazy. Yeah, and I think you're you're going to see things start canceling uh, from the COVID spike. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can hit a turn here where you know people are. I've noticed that people that were opposed to it or now like finally like oh i guess i should get it it's like yes you should have gotten it right but um like stuff in europe is canceling like european tours are canceling um i mean i think we'll probably see some some cap restrictions again for at least for indoor spaces um Mm -hmm. i i as far as i can tell and this is just from somebody that just works in the events industry like i just i don't foresee a complete shutdown coming again unless something awful happens but uh you know cap restrictions are most likely in the future yeah i mean that's just got to be exhausting and i'd I'd be curious to get your take on this again later in the segment just managing artists like how does that work you had something set up and lined up and now it's been pushed back it's it's just easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to reschedule a month later or a year later, but we already have other stuff going on, or we or, need to do something. Or else. there's yeah, or there's other stuff going on, or the venue that you're playing has other stuff going on, or right. you know, so trying to move stuff around is definitely tough. Right. I look at Wilco next week, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering because those tickets are roughly about a year to the date of when it was supposed to happen in yeah. 2020, mm-hmm. right? And now, again, with the mask mandate happening this past Monday, I'm curious. Like, yeah. What's that going to be like? Right. And you recently got tickets. I know that. Yeah, yeah. We're on the floor. So, you know, I'm usually front row, but haven't been front row in a year and a half. So I have no problem standing in the back. But yeah. I just wonder, what's the city going to say about that? Because I can't imagine those artists, Slater, Kenny, and Wilco, rescheduling 
another time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if it doesn't work out, we gave it our shot and yeah, we got absolutely. We got to live our lives. Mm-hmm. I will say, cause I don't think this Michelle will have a Michelle Bacon. will have her episode between, I don't know if we'll get one out before crossroads music fest, but I should announce that too. September 11th record bars, hosting the bricks, hosting parlors, hosting. I want to say there are three other spaces um, and that is always an awesome event. Excited to see Bill Sundahl getting that back up and going. A lot of great artists involved. You can find out all the information on Crossroads Music Fest website, KKFI. It's a big fundraiser for the radio station. They do great things over there. Um, continue to ask you all to check out shows at Raj Mahal. Aaron's got a lot of stuff happening there. Um, we're doing some more work with Pints on the Patio over at the Irish Center, Drexel Hall. Mm-hmm. There was one more thing I was going to ask you about, Chris. It was not music-related calendar-wise. Are you thinking about the Chiefs? We can talk Chiefs. <laughs> Do you follow that I stuff like training camp? I am thinking about the Chiefs. Yeah, well, the past couple of days I've been following NBA free agency because that's been wild. But Yeah. Uh, Chiefs. And what a weird year because that's not normally this time of the year, right? It's a little – it's slightly off. It's like okay. slightly – it's not that different than what it normally is, but it's a year-round sport now. Basketball is just constant because summer league starts like NFL. tonight. They figured it out. They're just trying to keep themselves always in the eye. So the finals were like two, three weeks ago, maybe. Right. Two weeks ago. Yeah. And that ended. And then the draft was Thursday. Okay. Last Thursday. And then um, free agency was started on Monday. Yes, Monday. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Summer League starts tonight, which is all the young guys right. kind of getting the feel for everything. And then that runs up right until the beginning of the season for the, wow. like, you'll have like a small break and they'll go back to training camps and stuff. And then they will, the season will start. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's completely a year round sport. Like there's no time off in that sport, but um, yeah, I've been following chiefs a little bit. I'm excited for the team this year. Offensive line looking good. Uh, hopefully we can all stay healthy. Yeah. Knock you ever, wood. you ever go out to training camp? You ever done that before? Uh, I have. I just, I am not a big fan of getting up at six in the morning That's to go the do problem. anything and yeah. going to St. Joe. So they, you got to wait about five and drive they, up there. They used to have a couple at night, like a six o'clock practice, maybe when it got a little cooler, although it's not cool in July and August. No. But I remember going to a couple of those. I did go one year. I went up there uh, and it was enjoyable, but um, it's also just hot and, yeah. and early. And I imagine a very different experience. I mean, it's grateful that they're having that again. Yeah. Hopefully it's very safe. Yeah, because it's outdoors. It's at the it's at the uh, campus up there at the school, whatever the university is up there. Right. And then but yeah. I guess my point is you could get up and, you know, say at least say hi to the players, or potentially get an autograph and really get close. I think it's probably a different experience. But I'm probably glad. now, yeah. I, I'm wondering because we are going to uh, the season opener. Mm. My wife has never seen Patrick Mahomes in the flesh. Yeah. I don't really know how I'm going to be able to Me control either. her. And again, we have been so safe this past year and a half, and we're just wondering, like, are we really going to go do this, both being vaccinated? Like, how are they going to work that? Are they going to be limited capacity? Are they going to have a vaccination requirement? I mean, they've said that they're not. Uh, They've said they're going full capacity at all stadiums this year. But, I mean, that's before Delta variant spiked. But they are starting to do the mandates of, like, you need to get vaccinated or else you could get fined. Yeah, I sh- I showed so. her some pictures from Lollapalooza last night. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> Good I, God. I should not be laughing. Godspeed, everyone that's and, out there. And, and from what I understood, you had to show proof of vaccination. I don't know how they verified if that was a valid 
I heard you could like, you know, pay 50 bucks for your day pass and get a, you know, a fake vaccination card, which is scary. Easier than a, getting a fake ID to go to a bar, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, if that's, if, if that's what you think you need to do, then you are, your brain is not working correctly. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the biggest, uh, festival or like most packed bodies you've ever been in as far as like a live performance? Because I looked at that and I'm like, I've been to Jazz Fest in New Orleans. I went to Lollapalooza with Ice T here, Jesus, 25 years ago. It wasn't that. It wasn't like no, that. No, I think, and I've never been to anything, any major, major fest. I went, oh, I went to Riot Fest one year, and that was pretty. But the like, I am not a get in there kind of person. I am hang around the periphery and watch the show. Yeah, and watch the crowd. Like yeah. just watch everything. Right. Like I want to take it all in. Uh so I'm not usually up in it, uh, like in the masses. I'm usually kind of hanging around the outskirts. I, I like both. Yeah. I like to get up close, but I'm not getting up close when it's going to take me an hour to get out. Right. Like, what are you about going to the bathroom? Yeah. I'm like, seriously. Or just get, go, man. Get a, oh, no, no. <laughs> well, again, that definitely was not working for my wife. center cuts we are here with our guest chris mowry who just so happens to be our producer (laughs) and we were just doing a little review of our calendar and it's been great working with you chris just because you've kind of given me the pipeline into what i need to know about even though it has been a pandemic for the past year and a half um we're here in chris's home being safe and we really just like to start talking about your life i i've always known you were from the st louis area but I think you just told me like the the suburb or the. Well, so I was born in Kansas City. Okay. And then I. Moved... Oh, you cl- sorry, you did clarify that. Yeah, I was born in KC. Uh, and then I moved with my. Um, I think I lived in Atchison, Kansas for or Atchison. That doesn't sound right. Maybe it sounds right for like a year and a half of my life, and then, or maybe longer. I don't know that that time period. I don't remember as well. And then uh, moved to. Arnold, Missouri, uh, slash South County, uh, St. Louis area suburbs, um, uh, with my mom and stepdad for until probably about seventh grade ish. Okay. Were your mom and dad from Kansas city and then your mom uh, moved away? My mom, her parent, her parents, my grandparents live in Lawrence, but I'm not sure exactly where they lived I mm, okay. I wouldn't say she's from Lawrence. Okay. I would say she's probably from here. Okay. Uh, she went to school at UMKC. Both her and my dad did. Your, and my stepdad. Your dad's father, your grandfather, yes. went to KU. Yes, he did. But not necessarily from Lawrence. 
No, he was from St. Joe, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I did, my grandfather passed, uh, and I did a, a podcast with him, actually, uh, on Father's Day a couple years ago, and I haven't released that yet. Look Who's Talking? Yeah. I did a Look Who's Talking Mal with him, uh, but we were going to do a whole series called Confessions of an Old Geezer, and <laughs> just have him like tell stories. Um, Great. And uh, I recorded that episode. Um, and I never did anything with it. And then he passed and then I just sent it to my family. Mm. And so they're, they've been the only ones that have been able to listen to it, but I do want to get that out to the public. Cause like he's lived a pretty, pretty incredible life. He was a backup for Wilt at KU and like Chamberlain. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yes. Yeah. I have. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and he's an artist and like, he just, I don't know. He's just, he's a really special person. And so. I wanted to do more with that and I didn't do it. And so as a reminder to everyone out there, if you have a creative idea, do it because you never know when you're not going to be able to. Do you think that his passing though impacted your decision to sit on that for a little bit? Or was that much further after you'd recorded it? I mean, I had recorded, it was almost two years later. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, um, it's pandemic. When's Father's Day? Father's Day is in June. Sounds good. I'm a dad. I don't know. May, June. Mother's Day is May. So yeah, June. Yeah. So like the year, June? not this past June, but the year before. Okay. I believe we recorded it. Okay. So oh, not he had long, already though. been vaccinated, I believe. I, this doesn't sound right. Maybe it was the year before. I think it was the year before because he couldn't be around last year because two years ago right two father's days ago yes and we recorded you know we just i had everybody over for dinner and i made lamb and a bunch of stuff and we just hang out uh hung out and then at one point i was just like hey grandpa you want to go record this real quick and he sat right here and we recorded a podcast and yeah. then i just sat on it because i didn't this you know stuff happens and you start doing other things and i just sat on it like with the idea of doing more with it and mm -hmm. just never never got there yeah you know i interviewed my dad three years ago now i guess and just it's so important to have that especially that audio yeah. recording documentation because you just can't catch everything in writing I right don't care yeah, how yeah. good your notes are well he was trying at one point he was writing down at, when he was living on the on we call it the farm up in uh trimble missouri mm -hmm. uh he had some acreage out there he uh at one point he started like writing at his computer like typing out stories mm. and stuff mm -hmm. like things he remembered um and mm -hmm. we were like all excited about it you know mm -hmm. and then it just never he like lost interest or whatever so i was trying to like supplement that in a way yeah um and it even took me long like i had the idea for it two years before i actually even recorded it and then you know yeah it just when you have creative ideas try to get them out as quickly as possible and just try to make them happen or else you know they may be gone. You won't be able to do them anymore. But you you still have it. And I guess that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. I, I used to ask my students to interview a woman. And there was a passage that we had read in our textbook, nonfiction. And it was just like a spotlight on women's stories. Yeah. And it had to be somebody that was, you know, at least old enough to be your parent. Didn't have to be your parent, though. Could be a neighbor, you know. Yeah. And But they also had to record it. I wanted them to do like a 30-minute recording. I was just fascinated by some. Of, I couldn't listen to all every single one, but right. like 
what the child, the teenager, they were sixth graders, seventh graders, decided to pull out of that was so fascinating. Like, yeah, you what are the me, questions they're asking? Yeah, yeah, like some were really insightful, some were you know just routine. Um, but I know you definitely have been impacted by him, and you know he was a big part of your life. And sometimes yeah, I wonder sure. about that with our grandparents. Like, do we not romanticize them more? But they weren't the ones actually telling us what to do or dealing with us. Right. So it's kind yeah. of like the, the happy uncle or the, yeah. the kind aunt, I right, suppose. Yeah. But it seems to go deeper. Yeah. So you're so parents were from here. Yeah. You then moved away from Kansas City though till about seventh grade. Yeah. Tell me about like St. Louis. I know we've talked about it a couple Ugh. times, suburbs and like I just have this Awful. like I just have this image of St. Louis being these like clans or something. Like it, it, it's I mean it's so neighborhoods like yeah. it's so important or what school you go to, public or private, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's uh I can't say I was a big fan of uh St. Louis. I just, I still have friends out there and things like that, but it's just not like I was a skinny, small kid and just picked on a lot. Wasn't a huge fan of that space. You have siblings? You have I have two. Yeah, I have two half-sisters. Okay. Yep, and they're, they're going to kill me for this, 23, 24, something like that? They were just here. They You're, just stayed with me not too long Oh, ago. I met them. Yeah, I yeah, met at them Calvin's, at uh, Calvin's Calvin Record show. Bar. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Now, was your stepdad in St. Louis? Is that why you guys had gone there? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was out there. Uh, his family is from St. Louis, and he was starting a dental practice in Arnold, oh, or hadn't you. started a dental practice yet, but is a dentist out there. I got you. Yeah. I'm just curious if your stepsisters have a different, you know, impression or experiences than you, because well, they have absolutely different experiences than me, because that's what they know is there. You know, gotcha. um, I was living there during the weeks and then certain weekends a month I would be able to come out here and spend with my dad. Got you. And it was all, you know, let's go do fun stuff because you're in town. Sure. So, sure, um, very normal. and yeah, being with uh, uh, the family, a bunch out here and stuff, always really enjoyed that. Probably my love of sports and stuff. We'd go to like um, signings and stuff. Yeah, they used to do them at like Bartle Hall. They'd be yeah. like a big sports show, yeah. card, and they would baseball have cards, baseball cards, and stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's where I met Muhammad Ali, actually. At Bartle Hall. Yeah, he did a signing there, uh, and that was like one of my wake up calls to race in my life because uh, I was real young. I was like nine, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I was a kid, um, very little understanding of what boxing was. Mm-hmm. Like when I thought of boxing, I thought of two Irish gentlemen doing right. the, you know, the curly mustaches. That's right. what my idea of boxing as a child was. And my dad's like, this Muhammad Ali guy, he's the greatest ever. He's the greatest ever. I can't believe he's here. Like, we're going to go get an autograph. And went and got the autograph, shook my dad's hand, shook my hand, and said, cute kid. And that was my Muhammad Ali experience. My dad still has that. Oh, wow. Signing up in his wow. house. Yeah. Was he already suffering from he was already suffering but it definitely was not at the stage that he's at okay now you know like he was able to shake hands and and communicate a little bit but it wasn't like he is now you know i'm i'm not i shouldn't say i'm not a fan i just i'm not schooled yeah but that film god this has got to be 25 years ago when we were kings yeah did you see that oh yeah i of course got it because of the soundtrack yeah it was a bunch of killer funk music yeah and then watched that and just really started to get into that dude was a, just a sharp, 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 intelligent man. Yeah. And also 
really a, a human being, a principle of integrity. Like yeah. I'm not going to allow the system to bring me down or tell me what to do. I'm going to speak out against injustices. Yes. Um, and for sure that like when we were Kings, I remember watching, I don't didn't fully grasp that. Uh, but I remember watching Ali, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. And, um, What's the one, the Reuben Carter one, Hurricane? Yeah, oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, no, that's with Denzel. That's with Denzel. Okay. Yeah, because yes, I love yes. the Bob Dylan song. That's so right. So that's because it tells a story. That's love right. That. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm super into that stuff. Um, okay, we'll come back to Kansas City. So yeah. St. Louis, it was again. You were transplanted there, and so maybe it wasn't the best. Yeah, and being a kid's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy. Were you, again, just standard questions for all of our guests, yeah. were you into music as a child? Um, so yeah. In the house? Yeah, I was. Uh, it wasn't so much in, in that house uh, specifically, but it was in uh, whenever I'd stay with my dad. It'd be, okay. you know, um, we'd always do like a drop off, like I'd be dropped off here and my dad would be there to pick me up and then we'd drive, we'd meet in Columbia and okay. then we'd drive the Couple rest hours. of the way. So yeah, so the drive would be listening to cassettes and things like that. When I was like eight or nine years old, my favorite band was REO Speedwagon. Yeah. So, and that's a very Kansas City thing. I feel like, even though they're not from Kansas City, that's just a very, it's a very Kansas City thing to have as a favorite band when you're a kid. Um, but yeah, like the Beatles and stuff like that. My my grandmother would have, um, what's the big folk trio? I'm still that seeing I can't REO Speedwagon in my head right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Riding the storm out, yeah. sirens going off. Um, what's the uh, sorry? What's the folk trio? Like Johnny Cash was big. Peter I, Paul and Mary. No, 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 no. Uh, Kingston Trio. Kingston Trio. Oh. That's them. Yeah, Scotch my grandma would have. Soda. Yeah, my grandma would have that playing or Johnny Cash. Um, this is grandma on your on my dad's, dad's side. side. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember we did a trip to um, Kentucky to visit my family out there. This is probably ten ish. Uh huh. Or maybe eight or nine. All around the same time. Yeah. And we're riding, and my uncle Kyle, he puts on the wall and <laughs> and my dad i could tell is like real upset that i'm listening to the wall but i'm like into it and we get out of the car and my uncle's like he hasn't like really said anything to nobody has spoken <laughs> because we've listened to the wall and we get out of the car to stop for gas or something and i go hey kyle he's like yeah i'm like when he said show me where it hurts he should have said right here and I pointed to my heart, and my uncle was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he wow. gets it!" Wow. So, wow. Yeah, a lot of um, musical influences from you know my dad's side, and then I would, and the St. Louis side would have been like, just whatever the kids were listening to is like, I don't know. When I was younger, it's like <laughs> Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were the popular sure. bands, sure. so listening to that stuff. Um, but yeah, all the like the classic rock, and like classic stuff was all um, this side of the family. Isn't that interesting though? I think of same impressions driving to Colorado or Oklahoma with my family and whatever was on my parents' cassette, my father's usually yeah. cassette choices. That's what I listened to. Cause I tell you, I play music in the Carl time for our child and he just seems to have no interest whatsoever. Right. Um, and I'm wondering like, is he going to be telling these same stories 10 years from now? Right. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, my dad was playing some, I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins or whoever, and I really dig them. Right. I'm not getting it. Nothing's registering at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, anybody in the family play music? Any instruments lying around the house? Um, so my dad had a guitar lying around the house and a trumpet, but he didn't really play at all. It was just like okay. he had one. Um, mm-hmm. 
tra- no, traveling trumpeter wants to come. Yeah, up and pick that I up. like in on the St. Louis side. Um, I was in band when I was in when I was in elementary school, but I wanted to play the trumpet or the drums or something cool. Yeah, and my stepdad's like, "Well, I have a clarinet, so you're playing the clarinet." So I played clarinet for a little bit. Uh, a little bit into junior high, I started playing the bass clarinet. And, this is through school. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just when I went from St. Louis to Kansas City in that transition, when I went to the band in Kansas City, I was like, "Oh shit!" The school in St. Louis had. I'm so far behind everyone in Kansas oh, City. Like oh. they, like the school was clearly ahead of me mm-hmm. band wise, and so I, I got rid of it pretty okay. soon after that. Okay. I played drums a little bit in high school, but it was very short lived. Maybe like a year. You said you came here seventh grade. Yeah. I know you already told me you booked your first show, so I'm still trying uh, not to so, jump to that point yeah, just yeah. yet. Where were you, again, were there, did you like go to record stores and stuff as a kid in St. Louis? Was that something, was there a turntable in the house? Uh, a track? Not in St. Not in St. Louis, there was just a, like I had my own like little, um, little boombox-ish type thing uh-huh. with a, maybe a CD player and a, and a cassette player in it. Okay. Um. Still doing cassettes. Yeah, I was still doing cassettes for a while. Uh, Then I got CDs. Uh, First CD was Big Willie Style by Will Smith. (laughs) Freaking love Uh, that album. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I think of you as a hip-hop guy for some reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I definitely dug in there at some point. Big Willie Style. Yeah. That's not getting jiggy with it. Yeah, that's getting jiggy with it. that blue album cover? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Uh, Welcome to Miami. Yeah, exactly. Um... (laughs) So yeah, that was it was yeah, it was like classic rock stuff and then Big Willie style. And I remember I remember specifically like I got CDs or cassettes from this side of the family that was like popular stuff and then St. Louis side of the family being like you can't listen to this. Oh, really? So that would have been Jumba Wumba. Oh yeah, I get knocked down. I get knocked down. Yeah, that C- that uh cassette or CD whatever it was got taken away uh because they said pissing the night away. Even Is that though, what they said? Yeah. I didn't know that's what they said. Yeah, pissing the night away just means drinking the night away. Um, but Is that what they said? Yeah. I don't know what I thought they said. Pissing yeah. the night away? <laughs> yeah. And then also, here's an embarrassing one. Uh, I got my Uncle Cracker record taken away from me as well. That's kind of country, Uncle Cracker? It was, uh, Yeah, but it was also like the like number one pop song at the time. Okay. It's like country rapish. He was Kid Rock. Kid Rock's DJ. Uh but he had oh, his own set was. of hits. Yeah. And that got taken from me as well. Even though it was edited. So I had the edited version. They just didn't like the way it looked. They well they uh my stepdad <laughs> listened to Kid Rock, so knew kind of the content that would be in the Uncle okay. Cracker record. It was okay. like no. Man, I like all kinds of music. Yeah. I've never cotton to that guy for whatever reason. I, I mean, just, there's nothing I really to get, get into. Um, I so, just don't get it. Yeah, there's not much to get into. But he sells tickets. Early, real like real early Kid Rock is pretty all right because it's like hip hop and like kind of rock and roll. It's like kind of an interesting thing. Uh huh. And then it's just been a disaster ever since then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. One more thing, and I know it's not music related, but yeah. it's fine. You also, I just seem to know you as just a lover of just pop culture, whether it's mm. movies, yeah. literature. Obviously, we've talked about wrestling today. Yeah. When did you 
get that movie bug or TV bug, I would say, because it just seems like when we did the podcast with yeah. um, the uh, Wednesday Night Drinking Practice yeah, crew, yeah. by the way, shout out to those guys Yeah, and, and KB Jams. I, we should have said their 200th episode. What day did we figure out, Chris? It is the 18th Damn of it, August. Damn it, on the calendar. It's the recording See, of it anyway. We're in drinking practice mode. Yes, the 18th will be their t- Wednesday Night Drinking Practice 200th episode. Yeah, crazy. But 200. When I've heard you guest on their program, yeah. I mean, you're so able to hang with that crew yeah. and just the banter of just obscure minutiae about freaking silver spoons or something. I yeah. I So uh, my uncle, I have I have two uncles on my dad's side. Uh, one of them is uh, was a chef uh, and I was a stay-at-home father. He probably gave me like the foodie bug that I have okay. uh, because our Thanksgivings were ridiculous. Okay. Um, he worked at 40 Sardines for Michael Smith oh, and uh, American Restaurant and things okay. like that. El Trulo as well, which okay. was a restaurant for a while. Um, here in town and, uh, my other uncle, Kyle, he, uh, the guy that was playing the wall, slash what, yeah, is an actor, um, or what was an actor, did a lot of sage acting and things like that. So okay. that kind of got me into that stuff. Um, comedy, comedy. Yeah. He's an improv guy. Okay. Uh, so really loved that stuff, really got into movies and something my dad kind of also got me into movies because something we do on. Uh, New Year's Eve, like, because I'm a kid, I can't go drinking. Uh, we would go to Blockbuster. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. If right all the kids five. remember uh, Blockbuster is a place you could go rent movies. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'd go get, like, two movies each. Mm-hmm. Um, like, two movies that I wanted to see and two movies that he wanted to show me or something. Mm-hmm. And we would watch those on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And we'd stay up late and watch movies. Oh, yeah. Um, so that that sort of gave me that and like really got me into that stuff. Like I, I saw movies that I shouldn't have seen when I was a kid. Like I saw, and this is just wild. I, I really loved the song Imagine by um, John Lennon mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, for some reason, still don't understand this, uh, thought he should show me the movie Killing Fields. Why? <laughs> is that song in that movie? Yeah. It's like the big emotional end of the movie is where they get off the plane Cambodia? and they see each other. Yeah. They get off the the writer, for the guy from Law and Order, and the guy from Cambodia. They get off the plane and they come running into each other's arms. Oh, that's right. To imagine, yeah. Um, I've made some questionable choices <laughs> of what I've watched with my child. <laughs> Usually, not. I don't really remember much about the movie except for that scene and a scene where he is a prisoner of war and he like pricks the neck of a cow to drink blood out of it to survive yeah Yeah. um those are the only two scenes i remember so like really not didn't like mess my brain up or anything but definitely should not have seen that movie at that age uh because i have just no context of what's happening um or like what what a prisoner of war is or you know what i mean just like but we you know we watched so many movies um when i was young and yeah just really got me into movies and uh yeah Favorite childhood movie? Was there like a, oh, a standby man. that you two would go back to? Just curious. Okay, so I um, Ghostbusters two. I had a VHS of, and I wore it out. Um, it just did not work anymore. That uh, and when I it, like that was something I'd watch either in Kansas City or St. Louis. And then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Love those. Oh yeah. Um, I actually really loved a Muppets Christmas Carol. 
Yeah. And I would watch that when it wasn't Christmas time. Why not? Yeah, loved it. Uh, Ghostbusters 2 crew was the same. What if like, one of those guys got replaced? Yeah, it's the same. Who's the villain? That's the Stay Puft dude. Vigo, Vigo the Carpathian. Have I seen He's in that? the painting. I don't know if I've seen that. It's so actually. good. You, it's fantastic. Again, Wednesday Night Drinking Practice, you're all talking about number two, part two. And I'm like, yeah. I usually just stopped at one. Yeah. I love, I, yeah, I, I still love Ghostbusters 2. Okay. Um, Highly underrated film, I'm, I'm, movie film. They're noted. Now, can I find these on uh, Anywhere. DVDs these days? Yeah. It's like, where do people even watch movies? Streaming. Okay. Amazon, wherever. You can like, find watch, it. Hulu. I, I pull up Netflix, and I Netflix. just don't see anything interesting. New, old, whatever. Yeah. End up going back to just the old classics just to have something to watch. But Yeah. I mean, there's good stuff out there. You just sometimes have to dig through all the commercial shit to find it. Does Got that make you. sense? Yes. Like, there's just... Like, and this is no knock on people who like this, but Fast and the Furious just had their ninth film, and mm-hmm. it was wildly popular. I heard it's one of the best ones, if not the best. Well, that's because it's the F is for family. Um, <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand why that is, like, something that people want to see, because mm-hmm. um, nothing about that, for me, is something that I'm like, I'm into that. I saw the first couple, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I, Never watching these again. I remember watching the first one when we were living in Tokyo with my wife. I'm like, this is what it's all about. Yeah, it's just sports so, cars. Yeah, it's just kind of reminded me of Transformers, like really pretty shiny things. And, and you could see my, I have a, a part of my DVD collection here. And then the other part is like another 500 of them that are stuffed into a box in my closet. But like most of the stuff that I really started to latch on to later in life were all like indie horror, indie thriller, indie, indie movies. Like how I was attracted to like indie bands and I'm, things like that. So I'm staring at Watchmen. I, I could, we probably own 50 DVDs and that's the one I can always go back and watch. I'm just totally into comics. Yeah. That's just a, that's just phenomenal. Can you buy DVDs anymore? Yeah, totally. Like half price books. Yeah. It's, but they make new DVDs. Yeah. Cause like, I don't because there's a, so many people that have them and they, you know, it's, it's either that or Blu-ray or, or what you can purchase, but um, or you can just purchase the digital 4K version and it's just on your computer forever. Like we don't even have a DVD. Pl- I don't have one on my computer. And well, ours- see, I have a I have a PlayStation which I can play oh good DVDs point. off of. Yes. Or and we also have a DVD player that's Devin's DVD player. I got you. But um, okay, yeah. This jacket don't keep me warm, no. This jacket don't keep me warm. It's nothing like your arms, no. But it's not like you used to do. This jacket don't keep me warm. That's what summer was for. But the fall came, then the fall came, then it all came down. All came crashing down. I've been cold since you've been found. Well, let's move to, all right, so coming to Kansas City, and you said about seventh grade, Yeah. and then you said you went to Park Hill. Yes, I did. High school. Trojans. The Trojans. Yeah. We were talking about mascot names the other day. Uh, like, how do people come up with those kinds of things? I don't know. <clears throat> uh, and then I think you said you were 15. Yeah. When you booked your first show? Yeah, so I was like, 
a I was like a warp tour kid and I really dove headlong into pure volume and MySpace. And the great part about those were is like you would follow a band on MySpace that you enjoyed and then you could look at their top eight friends or whatever and you would find other bands like that they're just friends with that aren't popular, you know? You liked a band and then said you were interested in other bands like them. I was never on MySpace. Yeah, so like works. MySpace, like they would be their profile and it show their tour dates and like be playing their music. And if you scroll down, they would have their top eight friends or top whatever friends, and it would be like their MySpace pages. Oh, I so see. So then you would be like, oh, that's an interesting name of a band. Click, and it would take you to their page. Oh, okay. And then they would have a whole. It's just a rabbit hole of rabbit holes. I understand. And when you'd be in the computer lab in high school, and you're supposed to be work doing homework or something. You could just sit there and listen to music and go down rabbit holes all day. Um, and then go home and do the same thing. Uh, so that's what I was doing. And then I just noticed that this band that was on pure volume, uh, this band is called rediscover. They're not good. So don't look them up now. What is Uh, pure volume? Sorry. It's a similar, it's like, it was just a place to put music. It was like a, okay. A band camp or a thing like that. Uh, but they would have, you could search by city, like who has the top plays in each city mm. or state and it would mm. show you and then you could like you could do tour routing that way interesting um so i had found this band rediscover i was really into them they are electronic dance pop that is pro- probably does not hold up so don't don't judge me too hard and i saw that they had dates for a tour and they had like a gap in in what would be a Kansas City date. And I don't know why I thought this, but I was like, I could probably get them a show. And I reached out to them and they said, yeah, sure. So like they were going from Denver to St. Louis or, yeah, or St. something Louis to Tulsa, like that. Yes. Like, hey, there's a free spot. There's in there. just a free spot with a day off and it just seems weird to have a day off. And so I don't know why I thought it, but I was like, I think I could probably get them a date. And so I did. And the, I booked them at the Hurricane. And how'd that work? You weren't going to the Hurricane. I was going to the Hurricane. They just said they said my dad had to be there oh, for the show because oh, I booked it. Oh. Um, so I just reached out to all the venues in the area that I thought it could work at, and then did that, and I got some locals on it. And uh, this this is still before I knew anything about booking, um, and I. I was riding home with my dad. So I had must have just spent the weekend in St. Louis and was riding home with my dad. And I get a message from the band saying, hey, we are not going to be able to make it to the show. We are currently getting signed in L.A. And they were getting signed to Pure Volumes record label, Hmm. which I believe is called One Big Spark. Uh, Maybe that sounds right. I don't know. Okay. Um, And so I was like, oh, okay, well good on me for finding a band that was about to get signed uh, yeah. and trying to get them a show. But then it just like kind of everything just kind of fumbled. Right. Cause then it's just like, it'll just be locals and there wasn't barely anybody there. Um, but all the local bands saw I was 15 years old and were basically like, when I was like, Hey, how do you want me to pay you guys? They just said, don't worry about it. You keep it. And I made dollars nice and i was like well that's a pretty fucking sweet gig yeah it is let's do that (laughs) um yeah and just not knowing what that entails like 
pretty soon after that, I was just messaging everyone uh, that I could. And this is all like MySpace warp toury type stuff. So sophomore year in high school, you're driving at this point. Yes. I love the fact your dad's got to be there with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm like trying to get a hold of all these bands and I'm like messaging them. And there's this band I loved at the time called Farewell and they were from North Carolina. And I was like, I can route you dates through Missouri and Kansas. And they said, great. Don't know why. Um, I also just didn't understand what that entailed, like how promotion would have to work. Mm-hmm. Also, the band, the or the venue, the Creepy Crawl in St. Louis, took advantage of me and made me rent out the venue, which is not what should have happened. Uh, so they just like took four hundred dollars away oh, from you a paid kid. for the venue. Yeah, oh. uh, fuck them. I mean, they're closed now, yeah. so that's what they get. The Creepy Crawl. Yeah, <laughs> not um, crawling any longer. Not crawling anymore. <laughs> uh, so they. Uh, they agreed to come out and they were about to get signed to epitaph records. So geez, good taste, Chris. Yeah, I was doing pretty good. Uh, and so like I had routed them, there was a St. Louis show. It was like nobody there. Uh, we did Springfield, which mm-hmm. was pretty all right. Mm-hmm. And I was just on the road with them as well. Um, and then we couldn't get anything in Kansas city, which was incredibly frustrating. But then through a roundabout way, we, got a show at this place called The Refuge, which was an all-ages Christian venue in, oh, God, what the hell is it? It's out by Grain Valley and all that stuff. Uh, Sedalia? No, not Sedalia. All-ages Christian venue? Yeah, it's called The Refuge, and it's out there. Um, And we played that show, and everybody loved it. I also met The Wards, Alex and Austin Ward from Noise FM and Hembry oh, mm-hmm. at that show. They were the Noise FM was playing that night. Okay, um, which is wild to think that it's been that long and I've known them. Um, we did that, and this then we. How, how, now I'm going to age you. I'm going to date you. This was seventh, still fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then we went to uh, Manhattan, Manhattan in Kansas and played a show there and then drove back that night to stay at my dad's house. <laughs> this is during the school year? No, this is summer. Okay. It had to have been summer. I'd be better uh, if you were cutting classes. I'd be really impressed. But I think they, that band took a big loss coming all the way out to Missouri and Kansas and just taking a chance on a kid who, I guess I was a good talker. And like, I remember speaking to somebody on the phone and they were a band from somewhere, Chicago, I think. And I was like telling them about what I'm doing. And they were like, how old are you? And I go, 15. They go, oh my God, you're a baby. And I was like, yeah, I'm I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just a fan of the music and want to help you guys however I can. But yeah, farewell guys. Uh, they signed to Epitaph uh, soon after that tour. Uh, did pretty well. Now the uh, lead singer uh, runs a great uh, restaurant out in uh, North Carolina called Ex Vato. They do uh, burritos and like high quality crunch wrap supremes and no more music. No more music, as far as I know. I think I think he stepped away. From that. He was a bartender too for a while. And I think he just like really got into the bar and restaurant industry and like stuck with that. And that's been a hit for him. So, uh, but yeah, I was doing that stuff at like 15 years old. Just like no business, had no idea what I was doing. Just shots in the dark trying to. Get stuff rolling. I hope Aaron Roach is listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had talked about this a few episodes ago, or yeah. even Skyler for that matter. Yeah. Um, well, and then school wise, 
I know you've mentioned what you did in college a little bit. Like- yeah, I so I graduated high school with really no intentions, or maybe I was in the end of my senior year, like going through that with no intentions of really going to school mm-hmm. um, or going to college. It just didn't seem like anything for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I had played water polo in high school as a high school sport or like a club sport, like rugby. Um, at Park Hill, it was like a combination of Park Hill and Park Hill South, uh, kids on that. And we had traveled to St. Charles at one point to visit Lindenwood university, uh, to, you know, it's a recruiting thing. Sure. They're just like, Hey, come out here, play some water polo, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it semi worked because when I was basically saying, I didn't really feel like going to college, my mom's like, well, I'll contact Lindenwood and see if there's any sort of scholarship opportunity or something. Mm-hmm. And they said there was, I just had to score a certain thing on my SAT. I did. Uh, cause I was a bad student. I really was bad at school. I, mm-hmm. um, you're busy booking shows when you're 15. <laughs> no well, time for that. It's just like they, I'm joking. they go, Hey, take this homework to do at home. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, countless middle schoolers. Yeah. Um, so I was not a good student, but I ended up scoring pretty well on my SATs enough to get a half-ride scholarship to Linwood. Um, and I went there for um, partially for mostly for water polo and then for musical theater. But their musical theater program there was really bad. And basically our musical theater at my high school was very good. We won the Blue Star Awards here at Starlight for best show, best everything. I, but why do I think this was the Skyler? We were talking about a last episode about how they had assured you that there was a major that yeah. you could pursue. Was that yeah. the musical theater? No. So that was uh, the people that were just in the admissions office. And it, she, one of the ladies was a musical theater lady, uh, the director or whatever. Uh, and she told me that they had a film major. Oh, that's right. A film major. And I wanted to major like in one film. Class. Yeah. And they had like two classes. <laughs> and then one of them was like a summer class. And it's like, that's not... That's not at all what a film major is. Um, so basically, I had to do mass com. Um, that's what I was forced into. Okay. Um, and my film class, I hated. I hated pretty much all my teachers. I had one. T- I had one really good teacher. He was an acting teacher, and the acting class was good, and the advanced acting class was good. And those were probably the only two good grades I got in all of college. You were in theater in high school, though. I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, so I started kind of just in the crew, just like building sets and stuff. And then um, my teacher, who was a big uh, influence on me, uh, Miss McNabb, she was our theater teacher. And uh, she ended up, I think she still is like the vice principal or principal at Park Hill South. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing now. Uh, but um, yeah, she was basically like, hey, I, I need you to try out. Like, I want you to try out. Great. Because so, I was doing the acting classes and advanced acting in high school. And she was like, I need you to try out for the musical. I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable singing. She's like, you can do it. And so she had me go try out. I got a part. I got a solo. Uh, I was the pimp in Les Miserables. Um, <laughs> you are the pimp. Uh, life. <laughs> so um, I had a solo and everything. Uh, that was exciting. Oh, wait, hold on. This is lots of new information here. Yeah. I figured you had some involvement either in improv, comedy, theater. Now I'm no. hearing it was a form. Well, no, you were doing it in high school. Where did the singing part come in? Did you uh, sing as a kid? I mean, just like in your car or like whatever. But Church I never. Stuff? No, no. Well, yeah. Okay, Shower? yeah. So my family in St. Louis, they 
they are Greek Orthodox. Okay. So the liturgy in, in Greek Orthodoxy is all is completely sung. Like oh, is that right? Yeah, it's like completely sung. Okay. Um, um, and so, I mean, I did some of that, mm-hmm. uh, and just like sung around the house. Mm-hmm. My mom always used to sing to me. My dad would try to sing, <laughs> yeah, uh, along to Ario and stuff like that. And uh, so she just Miss McNabb had confidence that I could do it. And then I tried out for choir and for the musical and did choir the last, my senior year Oh wow, Chris. of high school. Great. Um, but I couldn't, I can't read music. So I would just follow along. So like if, uh, I was a baritone, uh, so if the person next to me was singing a certain note, I would just match them mm. and, you know, be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but it was just all by ear. I just never, you know, um, I also tried to sing. I tried to front a band for a short period of time in high school. It just never happened. Um, you never booked yourself. No, I never booked myself. So I just put yourself I, in the middle slot. We practice and stuff and everybody's like, you're great. You're great. I'm like, nah, man, I don't have the confidence for this. And they got somebody else and it worked out for them a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, you know, it was, she had the confidence in me to get into that stuff. And so I started to, and, um, did some acting and then otherwise I was on the stage crew. Like I was the, uh, foreman for the last couple of shows there of like building all the sets and things like that. Wow. So that's a lot of experience actually. I mean, I think that's relatable to what you're, some of the things that you're doing now. Yeah. So, so when you went to school, then the idea was to be a film major that mm-hmm. didn't work. Nope. But then kind of segued into mass communications. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I started taking some mass communication classes. The radio stuff was interesting to me, but I never got there. Um, mm. I hated the film stuff that they had us doing. Um, there was a creative writing class that I was in, but the only time it was going to get creative was like our last thing. Um, That's otherwise the way it it's like works. a bunch of garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a, it's a shitty school. Like okay. I'm, it's a bad school that, uh, prides itself on having a ton of sports so that they can get people to come. Uh, and you know, uh, from foreign countries and things like that. And they just hand out scholarships like candy. Uh, but their education program is trash. Okay. Um, the, I, I did pretty well in, in water polo, like, because I was a goalie in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first day at school in college, I met the other freshman goalie and he was six, eight. And I was oh, like, well, blocking that net. Yeah. It looks like I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> so then I basically had to like really teach myself how to swim better. Cause I was not on the swim team in high school. Uh, most uh, people that play water polo are. Um, so I had to swim better. Uh, I scored a couple goals in college. Um, I played against Michigan state. I played against the Whoa. Navy. Whoa. Uh, we went to Annapolis. Um, yeah. So I, I short lived cause that was basically like, I'm done with this, um, after, after my freshman year of college. And then it was also just like, it's really interesting to, to be in just a sport that isn't that popular and seeing how much time practice takes and how mm. they expect you to also do schoolwork and things like that. It's just like, I don't even understand how and not have a job. Yeah. 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 It's like, (laughs) I'm really confused on how this even really works. Like there's people who were doing it. I was just like, I just don't have that discipline, you know? And I, I dropped out of school like a year and a half, basically. It just didn't work. Yeah. Not for me. And we've, and we've talked about it. I know in some episodes too, like there's such a push in this country to go to college. I mean, I don't have, I, we were able to pay off my student loans because it was only half, ride or is half ride. So it wasn't mm-hmm. too crazy, but I would 
I don't, I don't actually see the payoff of going to school for that long, going to school forever, and then having a mountain of debt to try to clean up. It's just and or tough. being trapped into a profession that you really don't want to pursue, but you yeah. feel like you have to because you've got a mountain of debt, right? And so you yeah. better stick it out. Yeah. Well, then, did you stick around there or come? Because I, mean, I stuck around then back and forth in Kansas City. Right. I stuck around St. Charles for a little bit there, um, just because I wanted to be close. I was in a fraternity that I and I really liked all those guys and just wanted to be around them more. Um, so I stayed there for a while. I ended up working at a blockbuster for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, no music stuff at that point. Not so in college. I did a little bit. We did. Um, everybody told me about a. Uh, uh, I was going to concerts and stuff because it's college. Uh, but they told me about this thing that we used to do called LU Palooza. Uh, LU Palooza. Yeah, Linda Wood University Palooza. Okay. Um, I mean, this is before they would just hand out a cease and assist for. Mm-hmm. even putting Palooza in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really close to Lala. So that would be a yeah. immediate, which they ended up getting one uh, after I left. Anyway, um, we did a couple uh, shows out there where I booked a thing just like in the quad. It was like an all day thing. And that one was kind of lowly attended, but it was fun. And then like the next one I like started getting involved with, and this is after I was already kind of like not in school anymore, but mm-hmm. I was still associated with the fraternity. Um, I was like talking to, um, what is it? Uh, student, uh, student union. Yeah. Not the student union, but student activities. Okay. Um, and like talking to them about doing stuff and like organizing, like getting some stuff. Like we had gym class heroes, uh, play for LU Palooza one year, which was really nice, uh, and did pretty well. Um, yeah, I just did a, a few of them. You know, out there, I just did a few shows. Were you going to shows in St. Louis? Like, how far away yeah. is, like, city proper? Oh, probably 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, not bad. And it's, and, but the thing with St. Louis is, it's, like, people don't, people go into the city for, like, things, but then they leave, right? You know, they'll go for the baseball game or the mm. uh, things like that. Uh, Soulard, a couple bars, St. Louis, uh, SLU is down there. But, like, the the vibe yeah the vibe is just like if you're from the suburbs you don't stay down there or you don't really go down there that often or Mm -hmm. you know so i went to a few shows down there at foobar and um off broadway which is a great venue down there uh yeah a lot of stuff that i was into in college i was going to out there um pops which is on the east side which doesn't close so it's a bar that's open all Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. um and they do shows there uh and there's all the uh, gentlemen's clubs around there, if that's what you're into as well, mm-hmm. uh, east side, just across the river. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Any, so they're memorable, like particularly memorable. Shows. I didn't even ask you what your first concert was. Oh, my first. Well, I'll tell you what my first concert was, and then I'll tell you a memorable one from the college years. Um, first concert ever, Sandstone, Peter Frampton, Foreigner, Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a trifecta. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Amazing show. I don't really know much of Peter Frampton other than the Frampton Comes Alive album, but I, apparently he's still crushing it. He was at yeah. Starlight a couple of years ago. I heard yeah. it was phenomenal. A new album. I think it was all instrumental. Yeah. Um, and then like... Foreigner. Yeah, uh, that Foreigner. Sounds, that's Foreigner and R.E.O. Lineup. Mick, Mick uh, Jones still Mick, rocking I, it? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I was probably eight or nine, so that had been back in the okay. really formative music time. With your father, I'm time. assuming. Yeah. He's probably in heaven. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a really good time. Um, and, uh, something that was really a big show for me in, uh, college was a band called Foxy Shazam. Oh, for sure. Um, and they kind of sound like a heavier version of meatloaf. <laughs> like, uh, it's pretty fucking wild. And the yeah. lead singer is just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw them twice in St. Louis. Um, and they were, they were a big thing for me, uh, for a while. And then that singer has gone on to do that downtown song with Macklemore. So you probably know him from that. And they were doing a reunion show in Cincinnati, uh, which keeps getting postponed due to COVID oh. uh, and it's been sold out. Okay. Uh, but, um, excited to see if they're, it seems like they're probably coming out with new music and stuff. So, uh, they were always just fun, like in wild. You would just right. be like, I don't know what's going to happen right. next. But. I think that's that time, 18 to 21, 22, whether you're in college or not, you just start getting into these exploratory, experimental, yeah. like live experiences where you're hooked. Yeah. You know? And I got I got really into um, like the experimental stuff in high school, specifically in the like Warped Tour genre. I really got into Circus Survive and... Uh, the sound of animals fighting. No, and, I don't know that. Well, it's like Mars Volta E kind of stuff. Okay, uh, like super group that has that's just out there. Okay, um, sound of animals fighting. Yeah, to check that out. They're fantastic. I have their DVD right over there. Uh, that looks really bad now when you play it because it's really old. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah that that warp tour generation really. Uh, like guided me I think of being like a big lover of the production of it and like how to get the shows done and things like that well plus they all toured right just they were were out yeah think you said it's only been seven years since you came to Kansas City is that right yeah so I started I mean it's probably longer than that eight years maybe it's hard for me to remember because I started managing a band from Kansas City while I was in St. Louis but partway through that moved back to Kansas City so it's hard for me to get a grasp on exactly when this time was but I all I just saw like a post like Facebook memory the other day it was like eight years ago they were playing in front of Buzzard for one of the middle of the map fest things. And it was because we were able to find them a PA. They're like, if you can find us a PA, we'll put you on. I was like, done. For uh, a middle of the map show? Yeah. Great. For like a, something out in front of Buzzard Beach. Anyway. Um, is Buzzard Beach still around? Yeah, Buzzard Beach is still around. It's still there? It's never going to close. Lone Star was on the corner, and then Buzzard Beach was yeah. in. Buzzard Beach is piano bar on the corner? It's gotten. That's Johnny Cause now. Johnny Cause has bought... Almost half of Westport now. Johnny Cause? Yeah. What is that? Bro Bar. 
Oh, that's why. Okay. Yep. Uh, Any who's. But yeah, I started managing this band called Mime Game uh, that had a singer of a band that was a band from here called Josephine Collective that was signed to Warner Brothers and reprised for a short time. Went out and recorded with uh, um, the guy from Goldfinger. So they were, you know, they were doing pretty good, but then that band fell apart and he had started sending me what he was working on solo wise. And I was like super into it. Did that for too long managing and booking that three or four years. I asked you that off air though. How exactly does that work? You just approach an artist or they approach you or you've got a website that says I'm a manager. Come check me out. Uh, I I mean, I had at one point on MySpace, I had a, I tried to do a, uh, like an agency thing, uh, just everything just would fall through. I had worked at a, um, a agency here in town called AME mm. Entertainment, and they were they would do um, you know cover bands and tribute bands. I worked for them for a short period of time, but my heart was never in that stuff because I wanted to work with artists that were making their own music. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I, we also booked Shooting Star. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, yeah. When was this? While you were still, uh, this was after college in Kansas City. Um, so yeah, because I was working at like High V or something, uh, and I was like, I gotta get the hell out of here. Or maybe it's yeah, I don't know. It was there. It was a blur of a few years, but basically, I just never really found my footing there. Nothing ever really. I think I made one or two bookings, mm-hmm. just never really panned out because mm-hmm. uh, my heart really wasn't in it. Yeah. You know. Uh, Big shouts out to Frank Moyer, though, um, who uh, believed in me and would just give me, like, he'd be like, hey, I know you're working. I just can see you're sending emails. You're just not getting anything. Here's 100 bucks." You know? <laughs> Frank, Frank at AME? Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think he's gotten out of the biz. But, um, yeah, and so I, 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 I had done some stuff before, and he knew I, I had booked him a tour. Hold on. I have the ticket over here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's an easy position to, the reason I asked that question is I just don't think it's an easy thing just to, you don't go apply for that job. Now, here's a tour that I booked. Uh, This is a ticket to the Beaumont Club. Saturday, January 23rd, 2010. Josephine Collective at the Beaumont Club. It was a pretty good show. It was Josephine Collective and Queens Club, which is also from here. Oh, yeah. Um, And I booked them just a small thing. It was like St. Louis, Springfield. Kansas City. Done. You know, just like mm-hmm. something quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be a little more expansive than that, and that was just the stuff that became solid. Like, we wanted to go farther out to the West Coast, and it just right. never formulated. It. Things were too far spread out. The places that we were going to play, just it didn't work. Like, it wasn't making sense. So it was like, no one can financially do this. Let's just play these this Midwest run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for him. And so he knew I had done that before, and so I started working for them. Um, we were making pretty strong headway. Um, we had paid for a PR campaign, uh, mostly from um, members of the band slash uh, merch people uh, working their asses off doing serving and selling weed. And mm-hmm. uh, we were able to pay for an entire PR campaign that way after and also pay for a EP to get recorded. Uh, two EPs actually mm. to get recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot. We were down in Atlanta for a while. We uh, and then they relocated to Atlanta and we're down there for a bit. Um, 
and we went to LA. We recorded drums at Lavish Studios, which is Scott Weiland's studio, mm. um, uh, with a great producer called Rick Parker. Um, and he recorded uh, the EP that I have on my table over there. Uh, and it was great. And we were starting to get some real buzz. And like, it's like, hey, we might have something here. We just got to stay on this path. And unfortunately, I don't want to speak ill of anybody, but the lead singer of that band has a way of burning bridges with kind of everyone. And so mm. it just all fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just stuck around too long. And then he was me too a few years ago and things like that. It's just mm-hmm. like I stuck around too long. I wasn't making any money. I was putting in a ton of effort with little to no gain for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of left that. Um, and stopped doing that kind of stuff. I can't remember what I was doing at the time. I, I, I worked in construction for a little while. I worked at Hy-Vee. Mm-hmm. I just was doing other things. Uh, it's hard, though, and that's yeah. what we were talking about off-air. I just don't see how someone goes into managing or being an agent, for that matter, where you do it because, first of all, because you, you like the human being, you like the artist, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. Yeah. So you do it because you want to do it, right? Yeah. The whole purpose I've ever done any booking or managing is because I really love the band. It's sure. like something I really like, and all I want to do is help get them out to more people. Sure. And I, I, I know yeah. plenty of managers yeah. just that way. Yeah. But the reality is you're, it, you, you need to be working full-time to do that, yep. but you aren't getting the compensation because right. probably the artist isn't getting the compensation to take care of you to pay for your rent. Yeah. So how do you kind of move from getting into that game to being able to make that a sustainable career? That's what I right. really would like to know. And uh, it took it, it I, and all of this becomes a blur because I was so not, uh, I didn't have any of my shit together. I may seem like when you see me at Record Bar and Lemonade, you may be like, wow, this guy's really got all his shit together. Oh, totally. But for a long time, I did not have it together Mm -hmm. um, and was like scraping by and relying on family to basically take care of me and help me through everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm extremely appreciative uh, to them for that because I wasn't getting it done. Mm -hmm. Um, And it became a thing where you got to get a real job. You got to do something else, you know. So I did that for a while. And then it was, I started kind of Atticus. What's up? <laughs> hey, Carlos. Um, and then I started, I can't remember exactly what started getting me back in. I started going to middle of the map, started happening, and I started popping up at local, uh, more local shows and things like that. Stuff at Record Bar and Riot Room and places like that and middle of the map and things. Original Record Bar. Yes, original Record okay. Bar. And, uh, you know, I still like people remember me from booking mind game stuff and things like that. So like Steve at record bar knew who I was and things like that, but I wanted to start, I was working a part-time job in events and I figured this would be a good way to get around people, um, and around event stuff. Cause that's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but the pay was very low. But we would do events at like Bartle Hall, Sporting Kansas City, like uh, Children's Mercy Park at the time, um, uh, Power and Light. We would be mm-hmm. the security staff or the event staff for all of these events. And it would get me places closer to things. Um, and I figured that would be a good way to start getting me back into that stuff um, and kind of learn a different skill set in that. Um, 
and it was around that time I was doing, I was going to a lot of local shows and stuff, and I ended up seeing this band, Pink Royal, and I was like, wow, they are interesting. Yeah. Uh, and they were from, Lor- they were all still in Lawrence at the time, and I, we just had started a dialogue or something, and and I think I had even talked to S- Steve. Steve's other band, Forrester, which is an instrumental band before this. And that might have been still when I was with Mime Game, maybe. I don't know. Everything is a blur at this point. Okay. Um, but I basically said that, like, like, um, and I was talking to Duncan Burnett at the time, too, because Duncan played drums in Mime Game. Uh, as well oh, as, is that right? Yeah, as well as uh, Chris Bradley, who now does sound and monitors at Knuckleheads, uh, was also in that band. And I was talking to Duncan, and he was like, yeah, man, I'm working on my solo rap stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I'm basically not getting back into management at all unless Pink Royal is like, we'll take you. Mm-hmm. So worked with Pink Royal for a while. Um, we did pretty well. I, I feel like we were able to do some things that were super interesting. The music was really good. Um, and uh, we were able to be on the the – crossroads stage at middle of the map opening for manchester orchestra yeah it's huge um so we were able to do some good things and i basically was like hey i know the people here in town that you need to know you guys are coming from lawrence let me help and like that's kind of what we did and and i you know wasn't making a ton of money but was basically just another member of the band i was just we were getting the even split and there was like a portion of it that would go to the band fund and things Mm -hmm. like that Uh, we did some stuff at south by and you know things like that we did that with my game as well um but it, I started working with, I think I, that's when Dylan Guthrie, I think, had left the band and was starting kind of doing his thing. Dylan Guthrie and the Good Time Guys as agent for him and briefly was going to agent for Via Luna mm-hmm. as well, the instru- great instrumental band yeah, out of here. we're just talking about them. Yeah, um, and I got them a show or two, uh, but they really didn't need much of my help. They kind of had their own, like, the instrumental world has its own like underground booking and they all know where to go and mm-hmm. do like I didn't the most things I could do is be like hey I got you on the show opening gotcha. locally for like a touring instrumental band or something gotcha. um, and it started to be like I had just left working that events job because uh, record bar was opening and I had helped move Steve it was, uh, it was me, Steve, and, uh, oh, God, the name is escaping me now. Um, he was in uh, in the Pines. Um, Darren, Darren Welsh, uh, mm. helped move stuff out of Record Bar and put it into storage. And I was basically, like, always on Steve, bothering him constantly. I want to work for you. I want to work for you. I want to work for you. I've had experience in ticket-taking and this. I booked shows with you before. Like, I want to work for you if it's a door guy, whatever. Um, and just kept pestering him every week, basically when they didn't have a place after the old place closed and he was finally like, yeah, we got a place and we're going to open it. And I started working there a little bit while still working at the events thing. And then I was still doing pink Royal stuff. Um, and then it just became record bar just started like taking over, you know, it just like took over everything that was going on. Like I noticed in my emails, I wasn't getting any emails for the band because I wasn't sending any out. Mm. You know, and this I was into getting the new space. Sorry, yeah, Chris. into the okay. new space. Yeah, got you. Uh, and I wasn't getting any emails about the band because I wasn't taking the time to send them out because I was 
too focused on record bar. Sure. So at that point, I kind of made the decision that I was just going to focus on the production management job at record bar, which I got in six or seven months of being there. Wow. Um, Persistence. Yeah. And I just knew people and mm-hmm. I knew the bands and stuff that were in town. Um, and uh, I just made the decision. It's like, I think it's time I step away from management and booking and just focus on this part. And I feel like I'll be able to help more people in the city and, and do a better job of it than like almost like half-assing the manager booking side. I hear you. you. Know? No, I hear you. I think you're a big advocate for, yeah. again, across all genres, all different types of artists, things yeah. like that. And again, we're not even talking about music. Just we've already talked about comedy and improv and theater yeah. and culture, cultural events like that. I think that does speak to, you know, your desire to want to get involved, find your role there, yeah. and then to see what you could offer yeah. and, and, and take it up. Yeah. That was so that was a big change for you. I mean, really kind of yeah. like I'm going whole hog into this yeah. and gonna try to like take some of the skill sets of things. Did you I mean, was that an easy decision or just like no, building I, towards that? No, I didn't I didn't feel like it was an easy decision. I felt it just sucked. I was like I feel like I'm not doing the job I should be doing, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. you guys. So I felt like I was letting them down, you know? Yeah. So, um, it wasn't an easy decision, but it's also like once I started really going full force into record bar, I noticed I was like, well, shit, now I have all of these, I have way more contacts than I did before. I should have kept doing yeah. it, just yeah. written it out and we could have done some, some more stuff, but it's just, you know, you only have so much time and it's like, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Spreading yourself too thin is something that can really hinder whatever you're trying to do. That, that's what we thought, though, too, as a label. I'm just thinking about being a manager, trying to manage more than one artist. Same difference as a label, trying to work with one artist and in yeah. some ways be a manager. It's like if you can't give your all to that person, you know, you've, you've got time commitments, you've got family, you've got other things. Yeah. Uh, you want them to have someone that can really, you know, do everything they need to have done, but yeah. you also got to get compensated. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen for new artists or even artists have been performing for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit, just a couple more things on that front. Yeah. So when the pandemic happened, there wasn't an official mm. date that obviously caused work at record bar to go away yeah. overnight for yourself, for Steve, for Sean, for the whole crew. Yeah. What was that? what was that conversation like leading into partnering with Voltaire and Lemonade Park? Was that something you were like, I want to be involved in this conversation? Or well, so, wanna... so it was, um, I mean, it's five years this year that I've been at record bar as production manager. Wow. And it's, <laughs> uh, it was just something that like, I mean, for long periods of, of COVID, like Steven, Sean and I weren't really ch- talking. There wasn't a bunch to what talk, to about. talk about yeah. besides we don't know. Yeah. Um, and then like, I would just text Steve every once in a while and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, and he would text me how you holding up like those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was starting. Everybody was yeah. furloughed. Just assuming. I, I mean, there's no furlough. There was no furlough. There's just unemployment. Gotcha. Yeah. Laid off. Yeah. Canned. Um, so, which was true with every venue. Right. And in, theater, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so he just had mentioned to me, we may do this thing called Lemonade Park with Voltaire. And the way I hear it is that 
Wes reached out to Steve and was like, hey, I have this parking lot and they're allowing these kind of things to go on now. Maybe we do something. Maybe mm-hmm. we make it a venue out here. Mm-hmm. And I think Steve's reaction was like, you're fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Like there's no way that's going to work. Yeah. Um, but then things started to come together. Um, and even I was like real skeptical on exactly what was going on because I didn't have full knowledge until I started seeing pictures of them working on it. And I was like, mm. oh, ah, it's like clicking now. I mm-hmm. get what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just a like, how do we get people back to work? How do we get musicians back to work while making it safe for people and make sure tables are spaced out and things like this and make it also, you know, frankly, helpful to Voltaire because as a restaurant during COVID, right. like you can only seat so many people in, in the uh, actual restaurant because you have to space things out and, you know, having stuff outdoors, that'll help, you know, full capacity is more than seven. I mean, 70 was like the, the limited capacity. Uh, not that big, I'm it? not sure oh. what the limited capacity was. It's probably 50, 50 ish. Okay. Um, okay. something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's limited and you can only, when you're used to putting out this many covers a night and it's just not happening because yeah. of COVID, you know, it's like, that's a pretty big strain. And, and Wes also has to think about, it. he had the gold knocks as well. So it's like, gotta figure out a way to make something work here that yeah. is beneficial to everyone. You sure. know? Um, and so we started headlong into that July of last year, mm-hmm. it's about a year, mm-hmm. uh, since we've been doing that, it's August now, but, um, yeah, it's been wild to be like, to notice that here in Kansas city, we are doing more for the community, the mu- music community than like LA and Nashville and like these places are doing for, mm-hmm. we're doing for theirs. Like people were just telling me there's nothing like this there. Yeah. Um, and, and granted, those are bigger cities, and so the numbers are way were like way higher, and so it was harder for them to like make something work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of I don't know. It's it was it felt really good to be a part of uh, something like that too, and especially get back going. especially not having necessarily clear guidance from mm-hmm. the municipal authorities as well as right. ever changing guidelines. Yes. Like I remember right, I think it was like the first or second performance there some permit got didn't get pulled or something uh, i don't want to throw anything so the, si- the bus no here, the city but. the city likes to play games and they were basically like uh you have a permit but we have to now you have to buy two separate permits uh and one is uh a catering permit and the other one is okay. a venue permit okay. it was just like a bunch of red tape bs that didn't need to happen yeah. just to watch people squirm basically is re- what it was i remember that that was a bummer yeah i i will just say and having some friends in town now that people are traveling a little bit and taking, you know, first timers down there, everyone is just blown away yeah. by you feel you feel safe. Yeah. Even though you've increased capacity from 100 to 200, there's still so much freaking room out there. Yeah. Um, and I know people have probably been pressuring, not myself included, the owners, the people managing and operating them to, to increase capacity. And, and, you know, now looking at it, it's like good move not doing that. Yeah. Um, you really just threw a lifeline to a lot of people last year, like you mentioned, the, the staff from the venues themselves, yeah, and Voltaire, the artists 
who have a need to create and and perform in front of other people yeah and get some some revenue as well yeah and then for the audience that just needed something anything yeah. you know i'm not saying i would just watch anybody play but seriously at that time just to be out and enjoy someone strumming a guitar i'm willing to pay some money for that safely yeah and to see again how it's developed this year and grown and developed i mean you all really should be proud of and and i just feel like have some sense of satisfaction that we've we've done pretty good yeah it's been great um i mean stuff's always changing you know so um like we were the only thing going for a while now we're not the only thing going right now, you know so changes are happening but i think the main like the main goal at least for the record bar end and the mini bar and the that side of it like steve and i and Sean too. It's like I all I feel like that we want to do is to be the most respected place to go. Like mm-hmm. the artists are excited to be there, the crews are excited to come, like touring acts are excited to be there. Yeah. Um like we just want to be the spot that is spoken very highly of. Sure. And it, it and it we seem to carry that, but I want it to be you know, I want it to be more. I want it to be like how you always see crew members wearing 930 Club t-shirts. I want crew members to be showing up in other cities wearing record bar t-shirts, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or they sh- they are wearing the Metro, you know, from mm-hmm. Chicago or like places like that. Yeah. Like, I just want it to be like a, you know, as big of a place as it possibly can be. Yeah. I gave my lemonade shirt to Jim. Yeah. So, but I've got three record bar shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um can I ask this question too? So kind of, I want to talk about look who's talking and I want to talk about party invites. So we should watch our time. Yeah. I know it's gotta be a challenge though, especially coming back to lemonade this year and finding staff because some staff had to go find other jobs. Some staff found that unemployment or whatever was not necessary. They found other ways to make a living. Yeah. So you already had that going on. Then recently you've started to book shows at Record Bar. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a full slate this month, but it's ramping up to be. Yeah. And now Mini Bar, I believe next month. End of August after, is the first show. Yeah, after the uh the uh the cocktails mm-hmm. pop up, runs its course in this next month. That's got to be crazy from a staffing perspective. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Not, and not just booking, too. I'm thinking about Steve on and, that end, but you right. on like the staffing, finding people to pour a drink, to check IDs properly. Pouring it, pouring it, finding somebody to pour a drink seems to be easier than finding somebody that'll just <laughs> sit in a spot and not do anything. Just be a body and just keep your eyes on things. That okay. seems to be harder to find, which is wild to me. Okay. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's been it's been a challenge for sure, and it's been stressful, uh, especially this past month. Uh, less stressful this month, but uh, I do have uh, a few new people that I'm I'm going to be bringing in, and uh, you know, people are getting other jobs, or you know, they're working door jobs, and now they're like, I'm out of doing that. I'm doing something else. Uh, I just want people that are passionate. Like I try to find people that are in local bands or in local music in some way, and you know, are going to be enthusiastic about it. So let's give this. I mean, you're, are you vetting people? Is that one of your job responsibilities? Yeah. So if you were giving that sales pitch to them now about why they should be working in one of the most kick-ass venues in town of the three we just mentioned, why, why do they need you? And why would, I mean, you already mentioned before, like as a manager, if you had stuck in that role, 
the opportunities to network really probably would have been beneficial for that artist. Yeah. So if you happen to be in a band or interested in music in the, whether it's in the media or in a record, starting a record label or whatever, why would they want to come work for you? Well, I would say that since I've worked at record bar, the amount of people I run into at the grocery store, at restaurants, at wherever oh, yeah. is a lot. That respect level I was talking about of like being respected by people in the industry, the bar industry, whatever, mm-hmm. um, is definitely felt in this city. But I want it to be in other cities as well, you know. But sure. here, I just feel like you get the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than just working the door. Yeah, you know, it's like a big. It's bigger than that. I love the service nights. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I need to pick up a shift somewhere so I yeah. can be involved in those service nights yeah. because they look great everywhere around Kansas City, you know? Yeah. And I mean, as a school teacher, I got recognized in the supermarket. I didn't really want to be recognized yeah. in the supermarket. <laughs> it's not- been weird. It's, it's weird, you know? Like, you'll just be out with somebody and then somebody's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it feels more normal now that I've been doing it for a long time, but um, like... You know, like there's just opportunities there. Like if you're in a local band and you want to play more at record bar, at, at mini bar or wherever, you know, like working there doesn't hurt, you sure. know, like sure. and and you get to see other something, too, is like being involved in the local industry. There's like something I would we've talked about so much on this show and stuff is like if you're in a local band and you're not in it, if you're not out doing stuff, if you're not going to shows like you're not really in it, you know. Like oh, you're just course. on the outskirts. Of um, course. Like you can put out good music and people are like, Hey, that was really good, but I never see him in anything. You got to be involved. If you're involved, then it, you, you're just, it's very helpful. Sure. Well, we, again, I always thought I wanted to work at a record store. And now that I've gotten older, I don't know, probably past 20 years, I'm like, no, I want to work in a venue. Yeah. I couldn't do it every night. Yeah. And I don't know if I could do what you do. It's not, it's not exactly like an easy job, but like 90, I'd say like 85% of the t- time, if you're a door person, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Like you're just making sure everything goes okay. safe. Yeah. Just make everyone's sure everyone's safe. Time. You're just checking IDs, getting people in. Yes. Customer service can be a really has, hassly job that is mm-hmm. not, um, thanked, mm-hmm. you know, like people right. don't thank you, but at record bar, you are like the amount of people that, come up to me and say, thank you. Really love what you do here. Blah, 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 blah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, like there was this girl and this was so weird. I don't know who this person is. Um, this was, we had a sold out show at record bar on Wednesday and I was going around picking up stuff and she goes, Oh my God, I have missed your face. And I was like, what? She's like, you're literally here all the time. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I, but I don't know this person. She's here. just like, she's just like, I run this. Joint. Yeah, she's just like, like her seeing me in the space made her be like feel like it was back normal. Yeah, and normal. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. And like, there was a couple, there was a dad and daughter that were at that show where the dad came up and talked to me. He's like, "Hey, we're from St. Louis. This was excellent. Great. Like, you know, just yeah. like it is a thankless job until." you get that you get thanked for it and you will yeah, get thanked I hear for you. it. You know? I've, I've felt that a lot in teaching. Like I yeah. don't need necessarily the biggest salary, just 
an occasional sincere thank you would be great. Yes. Let's talk just briefly. Your Look Who's Talking Mao, yeah. your podcast, because yeah. that's why we approached you to yeah. produce this bad boy, because we didn't know what the F we're doing. What led to that? When, um, when was that decision? That was during the three years ago? Yeah, something like that. I So um, I've always been a f- big fan of podcasts and things like that. And then um, when I was uh, dating Emily Katz of, mm-hmm. of Mammoth, mm-hmm. she was going on Wednesday night drinking practice. She's like, I need help. Like, I can't do this by myself. Will you come with me? And I was like, oh, is that right? Sure. Is that, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, you were her wingman. Yeah. Just like me. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I went on the show and like, they, that's awesome. They were like very supportive and helpful. And then I basically told them that I was wanting to start my own podcast and like talking with Clint and, and Matt about it. And basically like I made it so that I would go record an episode of Look Who's Talking Mao at Clint's house. Um, in the garage? In the garage or in wintertime, it's upstairs because it's too cold in the garage. <laughs> so um, I went and recorded like the first few episodes of that show on there. Um, and it was kind of just broad spectrum. Like I'd like to think eventually one day I'm going to be like the Bill Simmons of Kansas city. Like just, I have my finger in all the different pots and mm-hmm. I'm stirring them all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I just loved entertainment. So it was just an entertainment nerd podcast. Like, um, the example I always give is like, I had Jason Trebu on, uh, who is a, uh, production manager for garbage and for band of horses. And he also plays drums for, um, the casket lottery. But so when we were on, we talked about that portion of his life at the beginning. And then the last hour we talked about the chiefs because we're both giant Love chiefs it. nerds. And we talked about the draft and everything else. Like, Love so it. like I, I felt like maybe it was like too large of a swath and I wasn't getting the amount of listeners I thought I should or whatever. And I'd be like, I, this time I'm having a chef on this time I'm having a, ra-. it was always so random. Um, and I felt like, I, I liked start, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. We'd start, you know, I felt like if on that Jason Tribute one, it would be going great and we'd have a great probably listenership and they would drop off once we got to the Chiefs part, you know? But Or vice versa. I had Carrington Harrison on from Six Ten Sports. I've yeah. had you know, I've and you know, I've had a lot of people on. Uh but then like pandemic happens, I'm like just zapped creatively completely. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and uh, I just wasn't having any ideas of like, I should have this person on or any, just nothing yeah. at all. Um, and I ended up doing one with Megaran, which I think so is my last, last one? one. I think so. It was Zoom. Yeah. And we did it over Zoom um, during the pandemic. Um, That's my last one that I've done. Uh, but it. Were Blacklight Animals? No, it was, it was Megaran. Okay. Blacklight was before okay. that. Um, and I just, you know, it was just a lot. And I wanted to. I didn't feel like I was getting out as much as I should. And I probably should have just stayed consistent with it. But because I had taken such a long break and because COVID and everything was so uncertain, what was going to be happening with the venues, I kind of wanted to start a new thing. Okay. That's our transition. And that's our transition. But it's also because we roped you into doing this. I think a little bit. Yeah. It's taking up some of your time. Well, that, that was, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You started doing that. We'll Party invite that. was after Fuck that. Scratch that. So <laughs> it's a hiatus. Should we put it that way? It's Is on it hiatus. Permanently... It'll come back. It'll, it'll definitely be back in some shape or form. Okay. It might be slightly different than what I was doing before. 
Um, but it will, it'll be back at some point. Okay. And I know that most people are like, oh, well, you haven't done it in blah, blah, blah months. That's dead. And I'm like, it's not. No, I could just not. scrap it and just do something else. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, party invite is what kind of really I put my focus into on that podcasting front is like part of something that I would do on the show is I would do like a monthly gaming podcast episode of look who's talking Mao. each month I'd have people and we'd talk about the recent releases or whatever, or the games that are coming out this month. And, um, just in the pandemic, I was just seeing like a lot of people are getting into streaming, they're getting computers and doing all this. And I was like, I am seeing how these shows I love that were on YouTube and stuff, uh, that were just, like they were in a studio and it's like, oh, you could never do that, right? In the pandemic, they were all just recording from home. Yeah. And like I started looking into it and figuring out how I could do it. And I, I reached out to my friend, my good friend Thomas Egan, uh, who I've done podcasts many times before with. Uh, we had our own podcast called the BOG Podcast for a little bit, Brotherhood of Gamers podcast that mm. was short-lived. Um, but pre-Look Who's Talking About? This is pre, is way pre, yeah. Okay. Um, I think he mentioned that when I met him. Yeah, and uh, then we started trying to get other people involved that were in this uh, Facebook group, this gaming Facebook group on, on Facebook. Uh, so we got Carlos Gomez, uh, currently staying in my guest bedroom. Hi, Carlos. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carlos? <laughs> and uh, Debbie Hill uh, came on board. And we were just, you know, we just wanted to have uh, different people's uh, you know, perspectives and like something we were seeing that wasn't super prevalent at the time and now is more prevalent was just, there wasn't a lot of people of different nationalities or people of color mm-hmm. um, on podcasts or getting their, their voice out, Yeah, you know? Um, and uh, so we wanted to make sure we were doing that. Um, uh, we haven't had a ton of guests on lately, but we're going to get back, back to that stuff soon. But um, yeah, we have a, a great Facebook group. We have uh, uh, just search party invite and groups. Uh, there's like 606 members in there right yeah. now. It's a lot. Um, uh, we have a weekly podcast uh, that can be found on YouTube or whatever your uh, podcast listening service uh, you want is. We also have what 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 day is that released? Um, so normally it's on Mondays, but we've also been doing it if it, if it's like really recent news and it needs to be a quick turnaround we record on thursdays and they'll be up on friday morning okay that's when i'm usually catching friday morning yeah. for whatever reason okay yeah. um and we're gonna start doing those live on twitch uh we have a twitch uh party invite show uh we do a great thing thomas runs called the brunch special on saturdays and sundays it's real cozy games mm-hmm. like real chilled out just come hang out and watch us play whatever this is mm-hmm. um seeing that blows me away yeah I, that's my, my son is seriously online most of the day yeah. watching i mean he's playing himself and yeah. a lot of it is watching other people play and then yeah. they're running commentary or whatever right exactly like, yeah dude what are you doing yeah he's into it yeah you know i want to make sure he gets his fresh air and gets out and socializes but i'm yeah. like i like to watch the chiefs so mindless gladiators crushing each other right exactly you can that looks a lot safer than what i'm doing yeah um we have that we have the website uh party invite dot uh games uh, yeah, partyinvite.games. That's what it is. Um, and on there, you can find uh, Carlos has a great blog on there. We have review scores for games on there. Uh, we'll have more write ups and things like that uh, coming. Um, what can people do to support you? Like just simply follow you or subscribe? 
like yes share, yeah yeah uh, we, we had a order we had a patreon for a little bit and we kind of shut that down until we could really figure out exactly how to make it better for the people that do follow us okay uh but yeah and on, on the discord we have a discord party invite um just just go follow us and, and engage in conversation that's all we want is like it to be a if you love games and you want to have conversations about it come hang and we're not gonna you know as long as you don't offend a bunch of people yeah. like we're gonna be fine you yeah. know just like if we can all have conversations and everybody's voice is heard you know yeah. like that's all we that's all we want we just want to have a strong gaming community and uh bring content to people that you know they might not have seen or heard right you know? all games yeah it's any, all games any type any type like okay. there's people that post about board games and stuff in the group or D D or um but yeah most mostly video games mostly but video there's games. there's other stuff in console there as well. versus like pc whatever all of the above all of them and i'm just not a gamer so i usually just kind of follow stuff something you put on about like esports stuff like that yeah um or some white what is it like the hard times yeah so the hard there? times has uh a, a thing called the hard drive okay. which is mostly it's the hard times but for video games so it's like the same kind of jokes but and really funny stuff but it's just about video games specifically i think you guys should start your you all seem like some bunch of wisecrackers i think you should start your own like contribution either to them or your own version of that you know where you basically parody a news event about something right yeah related to video games yeah they're i mean the people that write for the hard times and and uh hard drive are very good so i don't know if uh don't don't sell yourself short man i read some pretty good banner on there yeah center cuts we are still still here with chris mowry chris you doing okay yeah i'm doing great and i'm, I'm glad we did this yeah kind of a little last not last minute but just change and we decided to give this a shot we learned a little bit about chris life growing up here and in st louis all about his family um talked a little bit about schooling here versus in st louis college experiences some early music experiences had no idea chris you were involved in choir musicals I, I i want to do like a whole I, we need to go down that wormhole another time um and then talked about you getting into some early like booking experiences mm. managing moving on to working at record bar as well as lemonade park your podcast and it sounds like a busy guy man party invite dude did you realize yeah. you did all that shit already in your life <laughs> yeah it's kind of weird um <laughs> uh, and so appreciate you sharing so much yeah you know how this rolls, so I don't need to prep you. No. What's what's something you dig about Kansas City? Um, 
I mean, the easy easy way to go is something that has been iterated a lot, a lot by people that come on is like the community here. Mm-hmm. But something I want to kind of expand on that is like how it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. It's not just the music community. It's like the service industry is right. like heavily tied into a music venue, like from the bar staff to the food to all that. You just start meeting people that... Um, you know, is they're all on the periphery and just involved and around and you just start building relationships with people that you wouldn't have thought that because, because, you know, you're at record bar, you would meet, I don't know, Chris Elbow or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? You just start, you start making connections with people throughout the city just from being involved in one place. You know, like that's something like record bar. I just never thought um, like I've had like heroes of mine play there, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, and um, mm-hmm. then like meet people that I like really respect around town and be like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's just also intertwined. And I, I, I just love something, something that I feel like St. Louis misses and Kansas City gets is like how just blended all together we are like in Kansas city. It's like, it's all different types of people, like all together in St. Louis. It's more separated. It's more like, uh, suburbs kind of stay in the suburbs. The city's different. You know, Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. doesn't blend as much as I feel like Kansas city does. I mean, think about that. How often you've gone to a performance and either before, after the performance, you've had a bite to eat yeah. Or perhaps a drink or a cup yeah. of coffee or dessert somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they, I do think music's the common denominator. Where yeah. Pretty much everybody likes some kind of music. Right. Whether it's church music and gospel yeah. music or country music or speed metal. And so you're going to find people, like-minded people, who I think just enjoy life. Yeah. Right? They like getting out. Yeah. They want to go be around other people. And I'm sure that's especially been maybe noticeable I won't say coming out of the pandemic, but you just see how so many businesses and people who work there and support them have joined together. Yeah. Like, like to help each other out. Like for example, this, this is, uh, and I'm, I forget this person's name, so I'm, I'm just going to loosely talk about them. Uh, but a person that I would see at all the punk shows at record bar, who I would also sometimes see when I worked events at sporting park, because he's in the cauldron. Oh, Oh, was also at journey pro this weekend journey pro wrestling oh is that right and i didn't know he was a like wrestling fan so hmm. this person is at all these different events kind of tying them all together mm-hmm. and it's like an interesting thing it's like oh i know you from blah 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 i work at record oh you work at blah, blah 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 like it's just a like the way that everything mixes together here is is really satisfying and great to me right well and i think you start to find situations where you develop relationships with people who you see out yeah and you'll be introducing to someone else like how do you two know each other i see a record bar all the time yeah or or whatever i I see you at corvino's all the time you know yeah restaurant or something like that right we just happen to be crossing paths because we have a similar taste right do you feel like again you've met we've talked about st louis in your travels to other cities do you feel like that's something unique to kansas city or just different about kansas city or maybe just know better because you've been here yeah it's probably because i've just been here and Mm -hmm. i'm like more embedded in it but i and i'm sure because like i said it music venues are a service industry you know like it's not it's just a different 
thing. It's like a, a slightly different. There's like production and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. But they they were also intertwined. Uh, I'm sure it's the same in other cities. It's just like something I noticed of like how people mingled. And it, it's probably different in St. Louis now. I haven't been there in a, a long time. Right. But like the way that people mingle or interact is different. Mm-hmm. You know, we that was what, maybe a month ago. The Black Creatures had an event with a streetcar, and I yeah. was freaking so hungry. I was like, I, I love to cook, but I'm like, I got to get some food. So I went over to Parlor. Yeah. Ended up running into one of my students who was working at the Tennessee Chicken Place. Yep. Next thing I, know, I hear someone calling my name a couple times, thought I was hearing things. Yeah. It was you and Devin. Yeah. Two minutes later, Calvin comes up, taps you on the shoulder. Yeah. Two minutes later, another artist, Jake Wells, Jake walks Wells. in, yep. starts talking. Yeah. On my way out, and it was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been in this place for like 45 minutes. I never come out here. Yeah. And I do think part of it is just people are just nice. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe if I were in, I mean, living in a big city like Tokyo or I've lived in New York, but you know, you just, there's just so many people. I don't think those kind of en- encounters happen. You probably do recognize that same person on the train. Yeah. But you don't, it's not normal. Yeah. And if we are, person. and as much as, as you joke, hello, big city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like we're small, small town. Like we're That's not, true. we're not that big. So like, in like, you know, if you true. meet somebody, the chances are you might see them again somewhere or, you know, what, what about if you lived, uh, I mean, I see a lot of stuff happening north of the river these days. Yeah. Again, you were in Park Hill. Yeah. But growing up in Johnson County, and I guess what my grandfather considered southern Kansas City to Hunter Terrace, I wonder if it's the same out there, though. You it's know? not. Uh, like, uh, like something there, I would, yeah. Ten minutes away from yeah. here. But. Uh, up north, like, I remember, like, going to a couple bars up there in, like, the Zonarosa area and mm-hmm. things like that and just seeing the same people that I went to high school with and being like, this is oh, where you hang? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is it? But it could be that way, again, like in Olathe or in... Right, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of everywhere. Like, people that just don't leave, like, they just still live around their high school, you know? And I, I did for a while. I lived, like, right around my high school. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. I've, I found other things in the city that were, like... And this was something that, like, when I lived up north, it would drive me fucking crazy. Not Jack Stack is up there. It's Smokehouse Barbecue, mm-hmm. right? And people are like, you mm-hmm. want to get some Smokehouse Barbecue? I'm like, hell no. I'm going to drive the 20 minutes and go get real good barbecue. Right. I'm not going to get the Northland version. I'm going to get LCs. I'm going to drive the 20 minutes to go get LCs. I'm going to drive the 20 minutes to get Gates. I live in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. I'm not going to just take a bleh, barbecue spot. I'm going to go get the real deal. Get the good well, you know, we asked Skylar that question last episode. I think she had her cousin coming in town. I know you had you said you had your sister in laws. I mean, I met yeah. them. If there was a typical day, maybe not a visitor coming in town, but what's like your day in Kansas City, or if it's you and Devin, like if you want to get out and do stuff, what would be like a uh, so well where we live, uh, LCs is a go to because it's not very far. Okay. Also, I like to take people to the Bellinopoly. Oh, yeah. Italian place right over here in Brookside. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing. Uh, I think it's the, for us, it's like the simplest food at the right price. Yeah. And it just, I don't need like bells and whistles. It's every time I come out of there satisfied. Yeah. yeah we it just, also place. just depends on what they want to do. Like I always ask the people, you know, like, what do you, like, what are you into? Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to go do? Mm-hmm. You know? All right. Forget, the, screw the tourists. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you would you would do if you could like just have the laziest day or the perfect day in Kansas City? Hey, I'm not putting you on the spot either. 
I'd take him to a show. Okay. Like, this is why Casey's like... Any other venues you want to champion? Um, besides the ones I work for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've them. always loved... I've always loved the inside of Uptown Theater. I think it's beautiful in there. Mm. Uh, Midland's beautiful inside, too. Um, I just... If, if, like, little serendipitous things like Hazleton playing on his porch... Oh yeah, that was like awesome. shit like that. Like yeah. that is not I feel is not like anywhere else. Sure. And and maybe I'm wrong because Liam Kazar was doing it too on his patio and he's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So that may be, you know, it might be an everywhere thing, but like little stuff like that where you can just happen upon right it happening right. is like that's that's uh It's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like seasons changing, yeah, it's that kind of story We were more than smoke and mirrors Oh, I've touched you myself with these two hands I can feel my heart beat loudly Oh, I miss you myself with my heart Now you see me, now you don't How about something? Yeah, I would say that artists need to be more involved and proactive in their own growth or in their own shows or whatever. If you are fine with just being a garage band that plays every once in a while and maybe you draw 50 to 100 people and that's all you want to do, that's fine. But if you have any aspirations of being more than that, like you have got to invest in that and you have got to put yourself in places that'll get you seen and get you more in the consciousness of the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Like go to shows at Lemonade Park, go to shows at Record Bar, go to shows wherever, just go and -hmm. like be available and meet the people that are running the shows or the other musicians or whoever and become more involved in it. Uh, just like putting out a record and being like, ah, oh, well, I only go out every, like twice or three times a year to a show. Like that's not, who's going to remember who you are, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to remember that, oh, you're in this group or whatever, you know, you really got to invest in that time. Like the, you have to take the time to make that growth a possibility. And then you have to invest in that growth. If you just think that you're going to, play your songs and everybody's going to love it. That's not at all how it works. Uh, like if, if you have aspirations of going further and you don't have a label behind you, that's going to pay money for it, then you should pay for PR and mm-hmm. you should know that that's going to be about as much as your record cost you to make. So, yeah. um, know that, yeah, you just made a record. It cost you a thousand five hundred dollars or whatever. Just know that you're going to have to pony up, more money than that possibly or at least that to get some pr behind you so that people know who you are 
um, or be very it, involved it get, in your own social media. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah, for sure. Website so that people can yeah. do your own PR, right? Yeah. Can I ask you? I don't know if I ever thought about that. Do, do you have a lot of time to talk with artists when they're performing? I mean, I know they're there for sound check. I'm not suggesting I mean, I chat. Have, like deep philosophical conversations or mm. discuss chief strategy, but <laughs> did they talk to you about things like? I mean, man, they talked to get me this about this record out on the road, man. I want to. I want to take over yeah. the nation, man. I want to travel. I mean, I they know. talk to me about stuff. There's like people that that um, have talked to me about what they're doing professionally, mm-hmm. um, and we have those conversations usually with people that I'm like more comfortable with, or that they feel more comfortable talking to me about that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have conversations with with. You know, people like that all the time. Um, like I'm going to put out a single, and then maybe I'm going to do a couple of shows to support it. And usually, I just usually out. I just say, "Cool, man," and and like I don't put in my two or three cents. You know, okay. It's like I'm just like, "Awesome, sounds great." Like I don't push them about what they're doing for PR or what they're doing for these things because I don't manage them. But you've been That's on that my, side. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm just curious because you, you've been on that side and could probably, I'm not saying offer guidance, yeah. but you must be thinking to yourself, this person, this gal, this group, they seem to know what they're doing. Or these people, I maybe I need to say something. Like they're... they're the, only, the only band locally in the past few years that I thought about being like, hey, I have advice that might help. Was maybe why God why? Oh, I love. But I the, saw them once, but I yeah, love they're that amazing. Show. Uh, but they moved to Philly. Yeah. So Is like it Philly or New York? Is Philly? Philly Somewhere. or Pittsburgh? Okay. Uh, Pennsylvania. Let's call it that. I was at uh, an album release show. Yeah, which was phenomenal. Yeah, and like that was kind of like the ones I thought maybe I could like be like, hey, maybe you guys should do that. Maybe blah blah blah. But I just, I mean. They were moving and like I wasn't really I wasn't in that headspace to be like, hey, I should give them advice about this. Yeah. Um, but there's so, there's something else I want to kind of mention because I've had this happen before is if you do go to a venue, like just act like you've. Act professionally, <laughs> like act like you've been there before, even mm-hmm. if you haven't like and you're nervous as hell and you don't know anything about what you're doing, just treat the staff nice and be professional about whatever it is you're doing mm-hmm. because the sound guy's not just there to make you sound good. He's literally, if he's not there, you don't have a show, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. just be kind to the staff, be nice, be professional, you know, don't overrun your time because that is important. Like just be, be professional as possible because yeah. if you do want this to be, a thing that's important to you and you want this to go further, then you need to be professional. Like mm-hmm. you need to act like guys, it's really important that we get on stage exactly when they asked us to. It's really important that we get off stage in a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. Like I get that when people are up there and they're playing music, they just don't pay attention, but you got to, it's yeah. like part of the gig. Yeah. Like you've got to pay attention to what, how much time you have left, all those kind of things. Like if you don't do that, then that sets everything back. It can, seriously flub stuff up if you if there is a sound curfew those kind of things just be if you were playing in a professional setting and you were getting paid to play be professional yeah be as professional as possible be nice be like punctual like if sound check is at 5 30 and you're not going to be there at 5 30 maybe message someone at the venue and be like hey uh sorry we're running late we're going to be there at six don't just 
have the staff waiting around till six, not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Like, you know, just be a little more, if this is really what you want to do and it's not just a hobby side thing, you know, just be more professional about it. Well, and it's not a house show. Right. I, I, I guess <laughs> yeah. that's the way yeah. I approach it. And maybe that's just being an old fashioned school teacher Yeah, is I, I'm, I guess I'm always, like you said, on the periphery sometimes being aware, even though I'm thinking about the show, if it's one of our own artists and we've set it up, but I'm like, how often the artist comes out and doesn't acknowledge either the audience or the venue or the staff. And I get it. You know, you're a rock star or whatever you want to, but But you're not a rock star, but but it's so easy to say, (laughs) I'm very happy to be here tonight in this beautiful space, lying your teeth off because it's a dump. Yeah. I'm very happy to see all these great people here. There are two people there, you know, whatever, just like, it's like a, it's not a presentation. It's just protocol. Like just acknowledge this and then proceed to blow their minds with the best set they've ever had all the while respecting what you just said. Yeah. We were booked to play for 30 minutes and at this, if we had a guarantee for whatever, and we're going to follow that, we're going to also make sure to not only tip your bartenders, but thank them, uh, thank the sound person, remind the audience that there's merch to buy. I think there's a lot of people that are really good at it. There's just, there's like, I do see, um, I've seen situations where the artist comes in and just thinks they know exactly what they're doing but they don't and they are rude and short or you know they're just it's like stuff that like you shouldn't have to like pull someone aside and be like hey this is not how you do this but sometimes like i've had to like like somebody from the band is like i'm really sorry and then they they have that person reach out to me and i've had to talk to them before and be like hey like they're like oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't realize i was doing any of that it's like well like this is you have to pay attention to the way you interact with people and how you, you know, like this is yeah. You ever thought about having like a professional a, space, an etiquette, you know, one on one little mini handbook for your for your artist just to like. <laughs> no, I no. think that's going a little too far. Okay. But I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me and ask ask <laughs> you know what they should be doing at stuff, that's fine. I will tell you. Uh, I just think you know, it's like some some people just get. They, they get inside their head that like what I'm doing is the best thing they've you've ever heard. Mm. And every artist is like that, right? It's not just, you know, whoever, yeah, Aaron young kids. Yeah. A couple episodes. Yeah. Ago. It's like, n- well, no, probably not. It's probably not the best thing we've ever heard, but you know, like if you feel that way, then, then prove it and, and do it in a way that is like, you know, professional. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to that promotional point though. One yeah. more time. Cause I just do think it's important. I'm curious. I can just, fly on the wall while artists are there. Do you feel like most artists, 50% or more, their goal is to be, you know, like a national artist or to do it for a full-time career and they, they approach it that way. Or is it more, I'm just, I just want to do this show once a couple times a year and have my friends come out and make a little bit of cash maybe. And I think people that are older, I don't have that. Like maybe they're a little jaded and Mm. if they're doing like a band thing and they're like in their thirties, they're just like, ah, well, if we do all right, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when you're a little bit younger, your twenties and stuff, you probably have moments in your band practices and stuff where you're just like, Holy shit, man, this yeah. is fucking rocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have like, all of a sudden you have d- dreams of stardom and tours and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really know a percentage, you know, I don't know what, like sometimes I see people like, I think that they have the, like thoughts of like 
big grandiose thoughts of like what yeah. they could be, but then they just actively do things that don't help or don't mm-hmm. go for that, you mm-hmm. know? So I don't know. I, I think it's kind of, it's a mixed bag. I think like half the people, let's say it's like 50, 50. And, and the reason I'm asking that too, is that when you then have a, I'm sorry to say a national act, but let's say at least a touring, touring act, act roll yeah. through Kansas city. Yeah supported by or maybe supporting a Kansas City artist do you get like a different vibe from them like they're more professional or they seem more committed or I don't know they're bringing the goods I mean people better. that are on the road and th- they're playing record bar like they they have some sort of clout because they wouldn't be playing at record bar mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be a bunch of DIY kids or something yeah. you know it's going to be there's going to be somewhat of structure they might have a tour manager with them it might just be their sound guy is doing their tour management mm-hmm. or you know whatever um, I don't know they like most of the time people are pretty professional but you also like there are tour managers and stuff that I hope to never ever see again because mm-hmm. they were awful people you keep a like, list I don't keep a list I just remember and I'm like oh god yeah this fucking guy uh, <laughs> but it's like it's like they're booked on this show. It's a 400 cap venue. They're used to playing thousand cap venues, but sorry, that's not what your agent booked you for. And right. like, this is what we have. This is what we're doing. You know, yeah. like I'll help you as much as I can and we'll make things work, but don't come at me hot about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you can't put more people but in I don't, the building, right? Right. Exactly. And I don't think, uh, I think that is leaving for the most part in touring circles. Like people that are notoriously difficult are like slowly getting pushed out. Because mm-hmm. people are just like, I don't got time for this shit. Yeah. Like, and it, it's happening. Like, I, I see it as, and that's just a societal thing. Like, that happens in, like, kitchen stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. a chef that's, like, all fire and brimstone and yelling at everyone. Yeah. That stuff is, like, not, that's not really flying anymore. 2021. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not, like, what you see Gordon Ramsay doing on TV, that's, that's, that's played up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not really who Gordon Ramsay is. I hear you. That's what they're asking him to do to get viewers. You right. know, like he's not that mean. He's just doing it's it because work. it's a TV show, you know, yeah, um, and it's not going to work in it in this day and age. And I, it's just a societal thing. Like, I feel like people are more and more like if somebody's really difficult to work with, they're just like, well, I'm just not going to fucking work with them. Always, always other avenues, always other opportunities. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've again, talked about it off air and in several episodes. I do feel like the promotion piece is probably the biggest challenge these days. Yeah at least from our perspective as an angle uh, as an as a label and i you know i just want to be able to figure it out like if you really want to get out there it's it's a 24 7 deal and we realize you got to have a life but if you do want people to know about you you've got to be active whether it's going out like you've said whether it's about promoting yourself on social media or through technology putting up flyers recently now that we've kind of started putting paper back up yeah talking to the talking to people, you know, about what you want to do and staying with it. Uh, I also don't think it's easy. So I'm not suggesting that like everyone can do that either, but I guess I just wish there was a way to let some artists know, like if you don't want to do that, then you're, you're in the wrong game. Yeah. Unless you (laughs) enjoy creating art. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. If you just, if if that's what you want to do and you just want to create art and just have people watch the art and that's the extent of it. And there's no other, anything behind it you don't want to have more people come to your shows which is i don't wouldn't understand that if that mm-hmm. was your goal mm-hmm. uh but you know yeah if you just want to play every once in a while for 50 people or whatever that's i mean sure have fun right but like then but if you play at a place that's bigger you know make sure that you're 
doing your part. I mean, everybody's on yeah. the same team. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Mr. Mowry, it's been a pleasure today. I uh, appreciate you making this happen. I mean, we really seriously have no Center Cuts podcast without you. So Jim and I are both extremely grateful for your expertise. And I really, I've said it several times. I just feel like we've grown as a team. Yeah. Um, kind of just feeding off each other a little bit with our guests. I think we've had a good variety of guests this year. I'm, I'm excited to see yeah. where we go this next rest of 2021. Thanks for letting us be safe in your home. Yeah. Um, really appreciate you and just getting to know you this past year. And of course I'll, I'll see you this Saturday at lemonade for the black creature. Yep, show. I'll be there. That'll be exciting. And, um, really want to encourage you to continue on with party invite. I mean, I yeah. know what it's like trying to start something new. Yeah, it's tough. And there are some growing pains and some speed bumps and some roller coaster highs and lows. Like, this, oh, yeah. we had a great freaking day or, and then the next day, like, what the hell am What's I doing here? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I put a lot of time into this and it's maybe not progressing the way I want it to, but I think you've got a good team. Yeah. I appreciate it getting to hear your voice in that end too. So, Kansas City, we are all still breathing here. Hope you are getting vaccinated and staying Do masked it. and safe, especially coming from some people involved that are out in the public eye. Yep. Uh, stay safe, stay strong. Peace out.